We've declared war on work as a society, all of us. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up. That no people on earth are so fearless or daring or determined. The world is not driven by greed. It's driven by envy. This is about as macro an environment as I've ever seen. Undercapitalized, the wrong people, bad market conditions. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. All right, welcome to the TEL podcast where we talk to educate and lead America's small business owners, managers, and anybody else willing to listen into the 21st century of business. I'm Taylor Lassiter. By the time you listen to this, you're probably past Christmas and maybe even New Year's. I hope everybody had a good holiday season. I recently traveled up to Northern California with my girlfriend to hang out with her family for the holidays. And uh, we're heading down to South South California for um, some time with my family. But on the way, I decided to stop in in Antioch, California and talk to a buddy of mine, um, AJ Schooler. How you doing, man? Hey, hey. Glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm glad we got to... It worked out that you were so close. I had no idea how close you were to my girlfriend's family. Yeah, yeah. You said SF, or you said SF, and then you said Vacaville, and I'm like, I'm I'm a lot closer to Vacaville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that worked out, man. Yeah, it's a little hazy out, a little little brisk this morning, but we got a fire going. Brisk. We're out in the shop. Yeah, playground shop. So uh, AJ Schooler was he's a him and I. I can't really say we grew up together, but I think our my mom went to school with your with your parents. That's right. Yeah. I know my uncle's tight with your mom. My uncle. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, It must've been Yucca High days or something. Probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you graduate from, from Drops and Springs? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I graduated from Yucca High. Oh, okay. Nothing. Yeah. When did you switch? So I switched, uh, eighth grade. I went from first grade to eighth grade was at JS and then ninth and 10th grade. I went to Calvary Baptist. That's that one up on the hill. Yes. Uh, our nets were big in that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I remember them. Um, so I went there for a couple of years. They were super strict. I think those are good years for me to go into the super strict. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But then, uh, yeah, I had other plans to go to Naval Academy and uh. stuff like that. I needed, I wanted to play sports, you know, again. And I grew up playing tennis, and they had a tennis team at Yucca High, so I went over there. Oh, neat. Um, but then I ended up graduating from Yucca High. And, 2010. You're 2007? I was 07. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, man. Yeah, the Cal Baptist crew. Um, I was, <laughs> dude, I was, yes, I was Joshua Springs from, yeah, first grade to senior year. Yeah. With my mom teaching there the whole time. Yeah, I know. She's like a math whiz. Oh, man. Yeah, I thought so. But since I passed her in, in all things <laughs> math, yeah, I ended up getting my mechanical engineering degree i was telling you um and now it's fun you know my mom will bring up math concepts and oh yeah and i'm like mom you gotta take calculus you know and she's like what do you mean i'm like it's just gonna open your eyes you're gonna see where these formulas come from you know it's it's that is so far beyond what i know (laughs) like i yeah math and science i was always like no thanks no history english guy wow yeah yeah i have the opposite problem if i have to write a paper I tend to stare at a blank screen for mm-hmm. a long time. Yeah. And math was my way around that. It was like, you know, the problems are there or they're findable, mm-hmm. you know, and then they're solvable. There's no, 
there's no blank sheet of paper. There's no gray area. You know, there's one answer and I can find it, Yeah. you know, or I know how to figure it out, you know? Um, yeah, that for me is just, just easier. Mm-hmm. You know, I can look at three sheets of, you know, multivariable calculus and that's going to be a whole lot less intimidating to me than a blank screen. Wow. You know? Yeah. I can't even comprehend that. That's <laughs> probably why you're a, you're a carpenter now. And yeah. I'm a podcaster. I love it. No, I love it. Yeah. It's whatever gets your zone, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, graduated in 07. Where did you, yeah, did you then go I was, that? uh, I actually, it's funny you mentioned the Naval Academy. I, I applied there. And I applied there in the Air Force Academy and got okay. far. You know, I had the, the congressional, whatever the nomination you mm-hmm. had to get. Yeah. I got ours from the local congressman in like Riverside. Uh, was it uh, Jerry Lewis? Jerry Lewis at the time for you. Yeah. I think mine was Paul Cook at the time. Oh, Paul Cook would have been a great one. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah he, he's written me letters mm-hmm. in the past too. Yeah. I don't know how my dad somehow knows him. I don't know what the connection was. There. To Siaka. Yeah. yeah. He's just a good, good guy to know. I know I know him through my dad too, you know, through the town. Yeah. I'm sure Paul Cook was city council before he was. Yeah, probably. State, State Assembly, I think, after that, before he went on. State Assembly, is he, I think, he, is he still in it? I don't either. I know Chad Mays is, he taught me how to swim when I was a kid, and now he's a state. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moving up in the world. Moving up. Yeah, no, he's been in the State Assembly for a long time. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I the Naval Academy, for me, it was like, my, my dad, I always wanted to be a Marine. Yeah. Um not really understanding the whole concept behind that. But like when I was like five years old, you know, Aaron Newman. Yeah. Yeah. So He's like him and I class. were, yeah, him and I were very similar and like, we wanted to be Marines since we were little. And, uh, my dad, as I got older, he was like, cause he was in the Marine Corps and he was like, you should go be an officer. Yep. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. And then I was in a physics class in my senior year of high school, cool. not knowing what's going on. Uh, the teacher called on me and he's like, what's this? I'm like, Dude, I'm out of here. So I switched out of <laughs> physics. I went into acting and literally right there, it changed the trajectory, the trajectory of my life because I had like a number to go to the Naval Academy. And oh, you got I was, a yeah, I was like, I went to the summer seminar session that wow. they did. Yeah. Which was awesome. I really love that. Like that campus is so crazy. Um, but yeah, it's very it, STEM. It, yeah. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny because like when I went to the summer seminar session, they kind of take you to different uh, areas of expertise. And there was an engineering one, but it was for building ships. Cool. And like the science behind how ships float and like all that stuff. And I was fascinated with it, but not enough to like stick to that. And like, I'm going to go to physics and do this stuff. And by that point it was, I would have graduated in 2010. The war in Afghanistan would have been going for, I was in fourth grade when 9-11 happened. So I was like, I don't want to miss the war, you know, yeah. I've been my whole life wanting to join the military. I don't want to like go in and miss it. So in that moment, in that physics class, I was like, I'm going to enlist. <laughs> and uh, I actually really enjoyed the acting class. The teacher was really cool, but yeah, it just changed everything for me. Did you have like a drive to go join the Marines or was it just a spontaneous? Yeah, I think similar to you. And I grew up, actually, it's Aaron Newman, I grew up so closely with. I've known him since I was three. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and we were in the same grade. He was the same as me, you know, JS first through senior year. So, um, and I know very well that drive that he had, the kid was hunting all our growing up, you know, was, was so driven to be a Marine. I wasn't on that level, but I definitely certainly, um, like envision myself one day wearing a uniform, you know, it's hard not to, you grew up next to the base. Yeah. You know, all our football coaches were decorated. Yeah, that's right. It was very respectable. Do you have Canavo? Canavo was a good coach of mine. Uh, Hessner was a big influence. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jackie Roberts wasn't a Marine then, but he had been. So right. I'm going to feed the fire. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we got a fire going out here. It's a little, a little brisk is, up here in Antioch, and we're in the workshop in the garage. So It is essential. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I had that drive, but then uh, same as you, man. I, 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 well, I was advised to be an officer, right? And I, so I figured that was probably the way to go. Um, and then I, I swear to God, I slept through high school and I got a 3.8, you know, I, I was not, I did not, nothing was too hard. It, it seemed like I just could do whatever I wanted, mm-hmm. you know, and I was playing sports. I, I did work hard, but not, I, you know, I slacked. Like you could have worked harder. Well, and I had parents making sure I was yeah. working hard. Then I, I got into a few decent schools, but I turned them all down because I was all love struck with. The high school crush, uh, and we ended up moving out to like Thousand Oaks area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did some mountain biking up in there when I was younger. Yeah, that's good hills. Yeah, there. yeah. Uh, well, I was. I went to more part Angeles Oaks. I think is where I went. Angeles, yeah, little little in from there. Yeah, I know. Uh, no, I'm done. It's all the <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, we uh, we moved out there, and obviously we we're 18, and you know, not oh yeah, ready to figure everything out so i dude i tried to sleep through college ended up failing a chemistry class oh man right? and and i was a sociology major at the time right okay. so i was like oh this sucks you know and then I, and then i ended up getting kicked out of my uncle's house at uh, you know 18 year old stuff um but it, it was a perfect storm and i was like screw it man i'm, I'm just done i want to go enlist like I, you know i can't make it out here right now and I did, man. I, I, I got a 98 on the ASVAB and went into the Marine Corps Infantry. <laughs> yeah. I think I got like a 56 or something on the ASVAB. Right. And I took it. I didn't know what the ASVAB was. Mm. Like, no one said how important the ASVAB is. They were just like, take this test. And so I took it and passed it. And they're like, here you go. And yeah, I was just like, okay, whatever. I ended up redoing it later on and when I was in the military because uh, I was looking to go to MARSOC and stuff yeah. and a higher one. And I took it then and actually tried and like did really well at it. But it could have, there's so many things when I was younger that either I wasn't told what to do or like, I just, I was so naive. Don't understand the importance. Yeah, don't it. understand it. And it, it totally changed everything for me. Right. So um okay so you went to you went to boot camp i'm sure like shortly after your yeah i had broken my arm snowboarding right around that time too so i had to heal up from that um yeah it was like a six month gap i was in the depth you know working at a oh i started my food serving career then you know i was working at california pizza kitchen in thousand oaks transferred to the one in palm springs when i moved home for a while uh and then went to boot camp from there but yeah and then yeah, then it all changed, you know, obviously. Yeah, grew up a little bit. <clears throat> Probably a lot. Yeah. 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 I, th- I think I was somewhat entitled before, you know, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot immature. Yeah. Um, talented. Didn't know how 
talented or mm-hmm. which ways or how to apply it or how to make that right. into value. Uh, just, yeah, really, really just needing some validation. You know, and the Marine Corps is not where you get that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you used to hear like, you know, we need to man them up. Go join the Marines. And in some ways, yes, but there's a lot of toxicity that's in the military. Right. A lot of you're never good enough at, at anything ever. And if you are, that's not necessarily a good thing. Right. Now you stand out. Yeah. Now you stand yeah. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You learned that in boot camp pretty quick. You know, I didn't because I, I was still still high on myself. I was like, guide for a while in boot camp. Oh, were you? Got fired for having attitude and then uh ended up a squad leader but then uh yeah i hadn't learned it went to went to itb was the guide again right so I which is infantry it, training battalion so yeah um it's the other side of it's where the infantry goes after boot camp um but yeah i went went there and i was i was still striving you know what i mean i hadn't mm-hmm. figured out not to be first or last in line yet so i was always first and yeah got fired for that i think i punched a kid for from lipping off you know, and then you, Man. you don't keep your leadership after something. Like yeah. That. Well, I don't know. I think about like the generational, how that's changed over the years. Cause you talk to any of our seniors and they were like, yeah, we used to beat the shit out of each other. Stories. And I, yeah, yeah. it's like, I don't, is that true? Cause I know like we have gotten into some fights before, but it was usually shut down pretty quick. Yeah. And now I, I don't know if you saw the thing in the Marine Corps times, they're wanting to, Maybe the talk about getting rid of like saying yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I'm like, what are you going to say? What you just going to look at them like, uh huh? Yeah. You're going to, yeah, odd at an office. Yeah. What is, what is that? It's going to change the, the look of the environment. It's like, what, what are you going to say? Yes, they, yes, they. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> the problem. Oh, I thought it was the whole just <laughs> protocol. Oh, it's a, it's yeah, a it's a, it's a gender thing. thing. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh boy. That's, I just, I don't know, man. So it, it's a little bit different now. I have got some buddies that are still in um, and they're saying it's, it's just changed. And I don't know if it might leap back the other way if we get into another conflict, you know, and then they're like, we need bodies, we need discipline, we need all this stuff. I was, you know, you were before me, but I was lucky enough to have leadership that were like ardent, like the war veterans. Yeah. They knew the importance of the training that we were doing. There was a purpose behind it. Basically, anybody after me, I think my my deployment in 2012 was the last combat deployment in Afghanistan, and then it was all support after that. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right for the timeline. When did you go to Afghanistan? I was there in 2010. So okay. when you were graduating. Okay. Was, where, were yeah. you, where were you at? I was in Garmsir. That's where, that's where I was. No kidding. Yeah, I was at Fob Delhi in Garmsir. Bob Delhi was our was our uh, was our battalion base. Wow! And I was down. I built well. Me and my squad built patrol base man, patrol base Johnson. Okay, yeah. Some of those were gone by the time I got there. Yeah, this is me. <laughs> we we fought hard for man Johnson. Yeah. Um, they were named after a couple of guys that had gotten blown up early on. Okay. Sergeant Man Corporal Johnson. They're in our capital team. So I was. Um, I'll go back a little. Um, I ended up going to 3-1, 3rd Battalion, 1st Marines, stationed at Camp Horno next to School of Infantry right, right there. Yep. Um, uh, and, and we went, so, so <laughs> I was not as lucky. My, my direct seniors, my Lance Corporals, you know, they were all, uh, 
they're all mu vets, right? So oh, okay. in an era of combat deployments, yeah. these guys had taken their first deployment on a mu to Okinawa. Wow, okay. And so they're all high and mighty and with no real good reason. And it's hard to be a boot with respect. Right. Uh, but you got to learn it. But we were a boot. We were boots for a long time, man. We were boots for like a year and a half before we deployed. Wow. And then uh, we finally got over there. And then, you know, I was the new guy. So I had a metal detector. But um, yeah, that, that That's mission. That's a fun job, huh? It'll stop your heart. Yeah. Stop your heart. I found a handful of IEDs. I think it was 11 was my find mm. and i remember it man you just you, you're digging with your your bayonet in the dirt yeah. you know as you have every beep on the road uh-huh. right? and then once you hit that pressure plate from the side and you lift it up and you see that full rectangle of dirt just move yeah oh, just, buddy <laughs> and you call everybody back you know you get the EOD guys in there oh, yeah. up. but yeah every single time man i think i think i because I had seen him go off already. Right. I knew, you know. And yeah, we got down there anyway. Patrol Base Johnson in May, it was supposed to be a uh, three day mission to build these bases, right? We were going to, we had our whole section. Oh, and we were mortarmen. I was in the okay. 3181s. Yeah. Um, so they sent, they had our cat platoons at the furthest south, uh, Patrol Base Karma. Okay. So they had been taking contact in the first months of our deployment, and then they sent us further south, right? So they sent our section. We dropped half the section off to build patrol base May, and then I think it was two kilometers down the road, not very far, uh, and it was at an intersection where we were going to build our, our patrol base down there. And uh, that two kilometers took us two weeks because of all the IEDs on yeah. It was wild. My buddy Garcia, I found 11. Garcia found dozens. We found, I think his count was over 70. Oh he got a bronze star for all of them. Really? Yeah. Um, but most of them were on that road. Wow. He was a bloodhound by the time we were done. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Eyes was... sunken in, just like doesn't care about anything. <laughs> uh, no more. Li- well, we were all that, but he, he, he more like had just a sniff. Like he, he yeah. could look at a doorway and go, yeah. He, cool. he just knew where the pressure plates were going to be. He had found so many. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were all there with him, but it was wild watching just this experience. Just, And he was a senior, yeah. but he had gotten NJP, so he was up there with me with the metal detector. You know, isn't so, that weird? Isn't that weird? It's so strange. Like, that's the, that's the part of the, the Marine Corps experience that is hard to tell people. Like, we brag about... Um, being like a bunch of rough, tough group of people, yeah. and you expect them to be these perfect individuals at everything. It's the hardest group of tattletales you ever. Yeah, had. yeah. That's <laughs> so crazy, though. You know, in deployment, there's like a primal thing that you have. Like it's like when you're in that environment, you'll never feel it here in the United States. Yeah. But there's like some primal thing that you get back to where nothing else matters except survival, and like your senses go up. I joke about, um, you know, I didn't see women for, you probably never saw a woman either, but you could like smell them when they hit the base. Bro. <laughs> like, it's weird. Yeah. I, like, I, you're I, like, I can smell shampoo. What is that? We all have shampoo, but why is it like hers that I smell? Right. Yeah. Well, we were, and we were way down there. We didn't have any, any women besides the women that were wearing, mm-hmm. you know, full ninja suits. Right. Called, you know, um, and I swear to God, we got to Kazakhstan on the way back. Kyrgyzstan, my bad. Kyrgyzstan, Kyrgyzstan. Yeah. 
uh, the Air Force base there. And these two Air Force ladies, you know, I, I, I probably, if you showed them to me now, I probably wouldn't say they're attractive. I, it turned my head just mm-hmm. to smell yeah. exactly what you said. It was like, oh, yeah. You know, and I, I probably would have done anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Moment. yeah. yeah. The, uh, there was a, it was at some point in the deployment, we were on Delhi, and there was like an Air Force chick, I think she was Air Force or a contractor maybe, that came to the base to like fix something. Right. And everybody's just like, we're all talking. We're on the other side of the base from like where they come in and then we're just talking and then we all just kind of like look to the front gate we're like what? We're, there's something <laughs> there's a, a disturbance in the force <laughs> yeah Jeez. yeah i i i think about my time because i i went i was a hug i was a radio operator i was on a right. fire support team and then i deployed with three eight out, oh. of, out of lejeune so um it's it's hard to explain to people that the dynamic of putting a female in a, a combat unit like that. Mm-hmm. Like I have nothing against it, but there is there is a thing that happens, especially in that environment mm-hmm. where I don't know if it's good or bad. I don't know if there's a I have an opinion on that, you know, because we, we hear about all the discussion about the um yeah, females in the infantry. It's been a big thing mm-hmm. the last few years. Um I think let them in the infantry. But have units that are female and units that are male, and I have a few reasons yeah. for that. None of it's sexism. One of the reasons is heroism. It is yeah. that thing that happens that you're talking about. It's men needing to be a hero. You're talking mm-hmm. about 18 to 20 year old guys, yeah, right? They're full of full of testosterone. Mm-hmm. They don't know what to do with it, right? I mean, it's not a secret. Yeah. I can look back and say I was exactly that oh, man, yeah. right? If there was a cute girl that I was interested in, I would have done some heroism in these yeah. these fights and heroism's not necessarily a good thing mm-hmm. in these fights that that puts people at risk yeah you know you're going to you're going to make mistakes another thing and this one's been brought up before but Sydney can't carry me mm-hmm. Sydney can't my girlfriend Sydney can't carry me if I'm in and she's a personal trainer she's jacked yeah. you know what I mean like but if I'm in gear she couldn't carry me now yeah. if I'm in gear forget it but Sydney with a bunch of other Sydneys that could be an effective fire team. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? There might not be. Well, I know those, uh, what are they called? Are they Tiger teams? Is that what they call them? The, there, uh, there were some like all-female forces that they kicked some serious ass over there because they were, you know, they, they all know other women. There's no like weird relationship thing. I dated or banged this dude in the unit over here and now I'm with this other guy. Like there was none of that. Well, right. I know, there could have been some other stuff. Well, but. and there's always, <laughs> and that comes with a level of professionalism yeah. at any rate, but at a certain age, I don't know that. The yeah, at 18 years old, I was 19 when I deployed. Well, And, and you're not talking about 18 to 19 year old, you know, like, you know, you're talking about kids that, mm-hmm. that maybe just want to pay for college. You're talking about kids that maybe don't have a lot of a direct direction and that's why they're there. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be this focus on professionalism. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. You know, they're largely babysat lots of the time. They're yep. going to look for whatever excitement in relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they didn't get a lot in high school. Yeah. You know, and they're just thirsty for it. You yeah. Know? And yeah. Yeah. I see danger in that. And, but I think if they're all the same size, I mean, you're going to have a percentage of gays, gay people in there. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot in the, in the regular military. And they handle it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and maybe there's that kind of drama. 
Um, but I don't think it's it's as as common that it's going to cause so much heroism and so much right. You know, so much uh, need for like extreme. That's the that would be the problem. Peacocking amongst everybody and then in a in a combat in a situation, combat situation is yeah. going to get people killed. Yeah, you sure. know, and and it's just not worth it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, a, a, a group of commando women, I, I see it great. You know, they can carry each other out, mm-hmm. right? They'll they'll be less prone to the drama. I mean, sure, there will be some, you know, yeah. but not the same, not the same kind as 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 a co-ed. On POG units, I don't see the difference. But, you yeah. Know, yeah, it's the same. Yeah, same thing. There's no, there's not so much risk of needing to carry everybody. Out I was because uh, I was in artillery, and like yeah. the joke with artillery, like. It's not that cool. It's cool for guys who really love artillery, but yeah, there's cool. a lot of there's a lot of posturing because it, especially in the Marine Corps, infantry is like that's the Marine Corps. That's that's it. Everybody else is just trying to be that. They don't need to be. Like just do your job. Right. Do your job. Do it well. But I feel like artillery is in that like they're not quite infantry, but then they're not quite like engineers or something. Well, it's hard too. Cause that's where a lot of your general contracts go. Yeah. So that's where a lot of your ASVAB waivers, your, right. you know, the guys that aren't smart enough, you know, I don't want to disparage artillery. I've, I've shot a one five five. Yeah. I've gotten the I same, have too. It's I've awesome. gotten the same barber treatment. I still yeah. have my primer for anyone that knows what that mm-hmm. means. Yep. Um, but you know, they're they're gun monkeys, right. you know, and there's a reason they put them there. It's because you twist this knob this yep. many times, you know, and you pull this string, right? Mm-hmm. The the FDC might have a brain in it. The FO's got a brain in it, yep. you know. But the FDC even is so automated anymore. Yeah, now it's like you put in a computer tells you what to do. Oh yeah, yeah. Their their biggest, not saying challenge, but like their most uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like hands-on thing that they have to do is make sure that they talk on the radio correctly that they say the right thing on the radio and that they read the the information correctly and say that right which is hugely yeah. important unless they're shooting it in an instant message you got that set up oh do they and have you, that you have some of that now yeah and then they sometimes those, that works sometimes it doesn't they have those excalibur rounds too yeah. which are just from from my understanding it's a 10-digit grid you just type mm-hmm. in and yeah. that thing's gonna find it yeah i we didn't use a many of those or we didn't like practice as if we were using many of those mostly because they're so expensive yeah you know we did whenever i was in every time we would do training it was mostly notional fire it was mostly like boom bang yeah you know that kind of stuff and i don't know if that was a budget thing in the military at that time but well, we do it a lot in the mortars too. Uh, mortars and artillery are so related. Yeah, you know, it's all indirect fire. We've got our FDC and FOs too. Um, but that—that's there's a lot of dry fire in the mortars. But yeah, it's funny, man. We set up the mortars in country, mm-hmm. and the only thing we were ever allowed to call indirect wise was those Excalibur. That was in 2010. That was pretty hot and heavy during then. It was hot and heavy, but uh, the reason we could never get clearance to fire off mortars is because they weren't precise. Uh, It was a lot of civilian. Yeah. And a lot of villagers around there. So, yeah. Yeah, it was tough to, but the X-Cal rounds were great, you know, because we could, we just call in the 10. Yeah, yeah. Call in the 10 and watch it, watch it through the binos. And like, you know, we'd find, we'd see guys, um, you know, digging up the, you know, one time we found it, it must have been two two talibs giving a class okay. on how to set an ID because it was a crew of 
it's like six or seven. School circle. <laughs> it was perfect. Like, I hate to say it this way, but it was perfect. We called in the Excalibur round. We've all got our binoculars yeah. out. We all knew it was coming. We're, we could see them from, mm-hmm. I don't know what they're thinking. They thought they were hidden or something, but we could see them from our HESCO wall. Wow. And we're all up there just zoomed in with the binoculars. There's even a school circle on IEDs right bro, now. <laughs> one, one of them got up and ran away after it. He was the one that lived to tell the tale. Yep. He's like, all right, so listen up. If you don't plant these IEDs right, this is what happens. Bro, yeah, I don't know what he thought happened because it couldn't have been. It was so precise and it was one bang. Oh, and all of them were down. We had to go out on a cleanup later. And yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh, but those Excal rounds, yeah, we didn't ever drop mortars, so we were just gun. That's we crazy. Gun platoon. Uh, a lot of the guys that I deployed with in 3-8, they were on a Mew um, the year prior in 2011. And half of their Mew ended up going to Afghanistan. So that, oh, a lot on of the trip. Yeah, on yeah, the Mew, they okay. ended up going. And so a lot of those guys were able to actually shoot mortars on that, on that deployment. And that was, that's one of the things that's weird about uh, Afghanistan because it was like hot and heavy for, for you on your deployment. And then there's always like, I don't know if it's because you kill everybody. It's like crazy. You kill everybody and then they got to regroup. So then the next year is kind of light. And then the, the following year they've regrouped and then it's hot and heavy for them. Because like for us, it was, it was not a whole lot going on. Pretty quiet. It was pretty quiet. Did it heat up at all after? Three nine was the one that that replaced us and some of my buddies were on with three nine and they they were getting after it no kidding yeah, yeah that that may have been because they were coming at us pretty hard in 2010 uh three five and their thing and sangan was in 2010 right that were uh yeah we were we deployed during we were coexistent was it three five or two five it was three, Black Wars. uh three three five i think you're yeah, right they're insane i think they were 2010 2011 yeah, actually, Aaron Newman went to that unit right after that. So three five, really? He was in San Mateo for sure. I went and saw him. I can't um, remember if it was three five or yeah, I don't know. I don't remember what he was. I know he did it go. May on. have been three four. Yeah, that was an interesting thing talking to him about because he was presidential detail beforehand, yeah. infantry, yeah. a presidential detail for a while, and then going to an infantry unit as like a corporal or something, yeah. and not having any experience. It was a waste of Aaron's drive. Yeah, it was. Her, man. Yeah, that dude. That dude could have been like chesty puller. He could have. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he's doing well for himself. I heard he's he's got his own like hair studio or something now. Yeah, I think he does hair now. Um, he was doing contracting for a while. Right. Um, right. I talked to him about that. Stephen Ballinger too. Yeah. All the time. I don't know where, where Stephen is now. I was talking to him for a while, and he kind of went off the grid. Yeah, he had a rough, rough go of it for a little bit there. Yeah, uh, yeah, I had a lot of track from around then too. Danny Burkett mm-hmm. was in. Actually, Greg Thompson. Yep, Greg Thompson. I saw on my deployment. Yeah, uh, we were in. Um, what was the Dwyer? Dwyer, yeah, Camp Dwyer. Yeah, he was on Dwyer when I was coming out. Okay, and so we met up at one of the all night chowls yeah. and Dwyer. got a sandwich. Yeah, uh, Ryan DeMaio, he was Ryan. one of my best buds. Ryan, yeah. I, yeah, I made him a cutting board recently. Yeah, I yeah. think you were the first, I think it was your first, like, cutting board, official cutting board or something? No. No? He was very early, though. Okay, He yeah. was early to support, you know, jumped right in, asked me, you know, what I could build for him, and that was really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he was in uh, one of the early batches after I publicly sort of okay. became Playgrat. But yeah, that was a nice board, Walnut and mahogany 
video. Yeah. I, made it, I made it kind of swirl through, you know, the pattern on the green. It was, yeah. it was sweet. Yeah. Um, so did you, did you, you didn't reenlist, right? You stayed in yeah. for a couple of years and then got out? Yeah. My second deployment was a Mew, thankfully, okay. you know, so we went out to, we were on ship the whole time. I was on the USS Pearl Harbor, which was neat. Uh, we, we were at Pearl Harbor on the USS Pearl Harbor on the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Oh, that's must have been the 70th or something, 75th. How you pulled that off. It was wild, dude. It was cool. <laughs> they had uh, all the sailors and Marines on the ship. We all got in class C's or something, mm-hmm. you know, and lined the decks. Yeah. Um, and, dude, those old people, you know, old oh. Pearl Harbor survivors in wheelchairs, you know, just these old men saluting us. You know, as, as we came through the dock. And, no way you feel worthy. No, but it was big. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, not about me. You know, it was just cool to be there. Even though the ship was so old, it kept breaking. <laughs> we're, that we're, surprise me. We were on the water for like three months at one point. Wow. Just out in the ocean because our stupid ship broke. <laughs> oh, man. That's something that I, I never did. I never went on ship. Mm. I don't know if I would have liked it or not. I, I get seasick on small boats. That's a bigger ship, but I don't know if I would have. You know, I slept really well on ship, yeah. you know, and being a Marine on our ship, it was a small deck of mm-hmm. Mew, you know, so there's the aircraft carrier, there's the whatever other, I don't know the ship classifications, but there's like a bigger ship than ours. And then, and then ours was the, the, the small boats. Right. There's like 700 people on it was, was our amount, okay. uh, counting Navy and sailors. So. Um, and we, oh, the only Marines on the boat from my company, you know, was my platoon. Mm-hmm. So I had a Lieutenant and a staff Sergeant, right? I didn't have, we had a really awful first Sergeant and company commander at the time. They were on the big deck. So I didn't have to deal with Leading them. from the front. Oh yeah. Yeah. They were on the big deck. We never saw them. My, you know, I was in charge of our armory, our company armory at the time. So I got this locked space you know, with the other arm oh, yeah. with an Xbox in it away from my platoon. Oh, man. I had a pretty good time on that. Meeting, yeah. You know, and we, we saw a lot of countries, you know, I was a big drinker at the time. So got really hammered in a lot of different places and, yeah. you know, kissed a lot of pretty girls and, you know, it was a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always hear good and bad stories about it, but when you're in ports and stuff, it's always fun, crazy times. And then when you're on ship, you just hate your life. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly. And usually that's how it people did hate their life more than I hated mine. I yeah. Say. Yeah. I had, I had a pretty good escape in that <laughs> armory, you know, and then anyone who, you know, the staff sergeant I was with was cool. He didn't did you get it. a lot of crap for having a good escape in, in the armory? Oh, because I was corporal at the time. Oh, okay. You know, and I, I had been running the armory back on Pendleton too. Mm-hmm. Um, I say running the army. It was just our company page, yeah. you know. You're, so. a, you're a senior at that point. Too. I was a senior. And I had a few lances working in the armory, mm-hmm. so so you know, I, I would just show up for sight count, make sure it was up. Yeah, you know? and it was it was fun because we were we were a weapons company. Yeah. So I had all the cat missiles, or you know, the the tow tow launchers right. in there. I had eighty ones. I had Mark nineteens. I had fifty cal's. I had all the sniper weapons. Okay. Oh, it was so fun. <laughs> We'd just be in there just messing around. That was actually why I got into engineering. Okay. Because of, you know, I, well, I, like I said, the math right. for me, but yeah. in the Marine Corps, you know, when I had gone to school before, I thought I wanted to be sociology. I mm-hmm. thought I was, I don't know. I thought I was interested in, in people more, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and then I got in and I started messing with all these weapons and 
something so beautiful about an M4, right? It's got springs mm-hmm. and switches and and no batteries. There's no computer chip in it. You know what I mean? There's right. levers and 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 the gas from the bullet pushes that that bolt back and resets the next one. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. And it opened my eyes. When I went back to school, I thought, okay, maybe I want to be an architect. You know? Sorry, I might be jumping the gun on some. No, 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 no. Do your thing, man. Yeah, yeah. That was and then I, I got some advice from a guy. He's like, I think you need to be you know, because I was I was thinking architect or structural engineer, you know, and then this this guy I was going to school with, I don't even remember his name. Um, but he he was, you know, we had been taking math classes and studying together, and he's like, I, I think you need to be a mechanical engineer. And I was like, Okay, maybe I need to look into that. You yeah. know, and, and he and I and then he goes, Well, you were a Marine. He's like, structural engineers, well, they're gonna make the targets, right? And I was like, Okay. And he goes, mechanical engineers, you make the weapons. And I'm like, yeah, you sold it. Yeah, man. there you go. You know, so, Where are you going with this? <laughs> oh, and I knew it right away. And I, I immediately was envisioning back in my cage with all my, right. all my guns and all my fun mechanisms that I had figured out mm-hmm. and had, had admired. And I thought, wow, I can maybe design something like that. Yeah. You know, really cool. Uh, feed That's the fire okay. one more time. Yeah. Cool. Cool. It doesn't take uh it doesn't take much to get it colder up here. I feel yeah. like just a slight breeze and then it's like way colder. Yeah, and as this burns down, I mean it's yeah, a testament to how much it's doing for it. Spark up in a minute here. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, a little segue from the Marine Corps. And, yeah, uh, did uh, I, you said that you were a bartender for a while? Mm-hmm. When was when was that? Was that through college? Yeah, yeah. So I went from the Marine Corps, and then my brother John was living in a town called Atascadero, mm-hmm. uh, just north of San Luis Obispo, um, and he had just had his first kid. I think his kid was like two at the time. Um, so I thought, I you know, I didn't want to go back to Yucca get stuck yeah obviously right <laughs> and i figured uh, san luis obispo ended up being a good architecture school which is what i was looking for okay. but also engineering right so i got really lucky um so i did junior college there and i was bartending let's see i was serving tables for a long time first um i started out at a steakhouse i ended up getting it at, at a thai place mm-hmm. in downtown paso robles you know and, oh, uh, nice i've been out there have you yeah yeah well there's a there's a thai place there in the square there okay. um and and i worked there for five years and those people are still like family yeah you know so if you're ever in paso again let me know and okay and yeah if you if you tell them you know me i mean it's all the same people working yeah there. that's great um, yeah, I went to Paso Robles for that uh, Mighty Oaks Warrior that's program. That's right. It's right yeah. there. It's out uh, Bradley. I don't know where specifically. I just know it's a crap ton of land out there that they they use for that. So that's right. It's so pretty out there. Yeah, it's like wine country. Oh and, man, yeah. I had such a good time out there. Probably too good a time. I picked up a, a few bad habits out there. Like, you know, <laughs> you're a food server and a college student in a party town. You know, you can imagine where that goes. But, uh, yeah, I, I actually got in trouble out there with with you know some police things and I mm-hmm. uh, got sober my first time out there. I uh, went sober for about a year and a half under a court mandate, mm-hmm. you know, and ended up um, 
really figuring myself out a little bit, you know, and, uh, but I never, it didn't take because I never intended it for it to. Okay. I, I was under the court mandate. I said, okay, if I can be sober for a year and a half, then I can go back to it normally. Yeah. You know, drink like a normal person. Uh, and you know, it doesn't work like that, but, um, you know, but, but during that time I got jacked, you know, I was like, oh, yeah. basically the best I was doing. And I started bartending during that time while I was sober, mm-hmm. you know, so I was working the Thai place and a, a bar gig at the time. I learned a little bit about some pretty cool mixology. You know, I, I still know some stuff. I was bartending for my girlfriend's parents the other night. <laughs> nice. I, I, I still have some, a, a kit and some gear, you know, nice. uh, so I, I, that's a skill that I kind of want to learn want to know how to do it just for myself yeah well hit me up sometime I yeah. can, it, that's sort of a fun project mm-hmm. for me i've I, you know because that at that first bar i worked at you know there was a there was an encouragement to design drinks and and get them up on the specials board that's you know? cool yes. a little bit of that freedom to be creative exactly yeah and, and i learned how to infuse alcohol there right so i okay. can you know they had a big a big pitcher we you know you could pour several bottles in and we'd cut up fruit and see what worked. Yeah. Know, different spices. So, well. Yeah. So I know how to do all that. That was my Christmas gifts for a long time. I'd infuse people a mason jar of liquor, you know, and have, you know. You're the fun friend. Yeah. Everybody keeps you around. Oh, no, for sure, man. Yeah. When I have time to make that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's always fun. And I learned a lot there. And then ended up, I didn't get into Cal Poly slow, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I, I went through the junior college system there, you know, which was very engineering heavy. It's called Cuesta College and it's very good for engineers. And then I went, went to Long Beach State, you know, and all the other transfers that were engineers, it, it was going to take them three more years. Oh, wow. But since I had come from Cuesta, they offered things that a lot of junior colleges don't, you know, a lot wow. of higher engineering. So I, I ended up getting through in two. Okay. As, yeah. Cause I, I'm, following you like on social media and stuff. I felt like you're a bartender for quite a while, but it was like into engineering. It was like super quick. I felt like it was. Yeah. I swapped. I, as soon as I got, yeah. So once I graduated, you know, I, I I ended up getting sober again. It became a problem again. Yeah. Um, while I was bartending, I was bartending down in a town called Downey. Uh, it's in East LA. I was like the only white person, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, it was, it was a, that was eye opening. I, I've never not been liked right away just because I was white and blonde, uh-huh. but I, I was there not by everybody, but yeah. it, there were elements that, that were like that. And that, I was like, Oh, this is weird. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we came from a non-diverse part of the country or whatever, but the desert doesn't have many. It's not so diverse, yeah. but it's not race race based. Yeah. I never got the, I never got that, uh, that feeling when I was growing up out there that anybody was judging someone else by. No, you know, I mean, we, we had actually the black kids that were at our school were like the cool ones. Yeah, you know were, what I mean? Like you, cool. you wanted yeah. to be their friend. Like, yeah. Was, but yeah, it was never like a, a color thing. It was just no. like, we're just kids like doing our thing. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and I do think, you know, there was some. I wonder if it's because it's smaller, you know, it's, it's not as big. And so it's like, who else are you going to hang out with? Yeah, like, that's true. Yeah. Well, and you, there was a, there's always a cultural different background, right. you know, you know, so maybe that was cool to us. Like, Oh, you know, yeah. you guys do things different a little bit, you yeah. know, but 
Um, but yeah, yeah, racism, I don't think is an element in Yucca Valley. I think homophobia is certainly there. Oh, yeah. 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 But I, I honestly, I, I do a lot of reflection on this. I don't actually think racism was ever a part of our growing up. I don't, I don't think it definitely wasn't for me. You know, my dad grew up in Southeast Texas, which there was a lot of that, sure. but he never grew up. Like I never grew up with him thinking or saying those types of things. Right. I think what changed his pers- perspective on it too was going into the Marine Corps. Yeah, See, you know that'll do it too. You know you're yeah. this melting pot, and it's like you all got a mission to do. Um, you know it's the same thing. You know, there's my girlfriend and I were talking about this the other day. It was like it only takes one generation to switch like messed up ideologies or messed up childhoods and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you have to make the conscious deci- decision. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to heal from this. I'm going to teach my kids better, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Leave the world better than how you found it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a cousin I've gotten closer with recently. Actually, Ted Bolt's daughter. Oh, okay. Holly. Um, And we we do a lot of, we do a lot of sort of deep thinking about that. She's, she's raising a couple of kids now and, Mm -hmm. you know, very focused on being a good mom. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's good to. It's cool to cool to talk to her about that kind of stuff. You uh talking about like substance abuse and stuff like that. Do you think any of it was that stemming from some of the military experience that you went through? Yeah, and I didn't know how much at the time. You know, I uh since since getting rid of all that, I mean obviously, you know, got my vices now, you know, it's not, not alcohol. You know, I, I don't have to apologize for the things I do now. Right. I, you know, I don't wake up not knowing what I did. Um, I think that I thought at the time I was just having a good time. I was just partying, but I couldn't ever do it. Like the people that were just partying, you know what I mean? Right. The people that were just partying and having a good time. My friends it seemed like I was always maybe blacked out more often. It mm. seemed like I couldn't, it seemed like every time I'd go out, you know, I was, I was rolling the dice of, you know, there's a chance I don't remember tonight. There's a chance I do. There's a chance I wake up in my bed. There's a chance I wake up somewhere else. You know, there's a chance I wake up in jail, you know, and that, that, yeah, dude, I went to jail so many times just for sleeping on the damn sidewalk. Just a oh, passed man. out piece of shit. <laughs> yeah um you know just for the night and then yeah and I've, I've been in trouble for more serious things i've gotten a dui when i was still in after my second deployment um and then i yeah just some you know all drunken behavior you know all, right. a few more serious than than others all things i've gotten past now yeah you know legally and otherwise everything's yeah that's good for. yeah i know some guys still that are they still go hard every time they drink they're still going crazy with it i physically cannot do that anymore my body like i i I have been in pain the rest of the week if i'm if i'm go hard like that and i got to that point and i got past that point yeah you know because then i found the uppers right Uh, then you got you're hung over and you got the shakes well you've also got a 10 milligram adderall that might uh Mm -hmm you know, you know, it's going to make you feel better this morning. And then you got a final later. So you're probably going to pop one before then too. Uh, and then you're just up so crazy. It's, you know, you're, you're zipping too hard and it's nine at night. I better go have a drink. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, that was the loop that I would get into. You know, yeah. that's, you know, and then Coke shows up, you know, I never went harder than much harder than Coke. 
you know, no, no math or heroin. Lots, lots of ecstasy for a while. Yeah, you mentioned you do raves and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I was a big raver. That was a, a big, you know what? And thinking back, I think that was a search for connection, you know, out yeah. in the military. I think, I think I also had a vision of what college was supposed to be, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I feel that I, or I felt that I was missing out on that in the military. I was like, watching movies like Van Wilder, everyone's got <laughs> 19 girls in every room all the time, all hot, you know, and I'm in these, this barracks drinking whatever bottle me and the boys could get, mm-hmm. you know? Oh yeah. Um, so, so I think I was trying to catch up for that too, but I also was certainly running and it wasn't, I, I had convinced myself that I, I, I was good on my PTSD, mm-hmm. that I just didn't have it, you know, or, yeah. or that I could think past it, which it made sense to me. You know, I was like, you know what? I know what I went through. I know what I saw. I know I'm not, entitled to anything by anybody because of it and for that reason i think i can handle this mm-hmm. and i think that may have been somewhat true i think if i think the guys that come back expecting people to understand or expecting gratitude they're going to be madly disappointed yeah because people won't understand and it's not their job yeah you know and i knew that early on and i think that did help me but it also let me mask like it's still there yeah you know yeah i see like the compare comparing yourself to other people's experiences too like that's what kept me from talking about it or like letting myself recognize that i had these things like symptoms going on and um i was like well i know people who've had it worse you can you'll be all right just just don't don't think about it it's not that bad right it's not that bad. Like if you were to put them side by side and say whose experience is worse, right. mine was not as bad as theirs. But your brain doesn't rec it recognizes trauma. It doesn't recognize like what trauma. That's why like the symptoms from someone who's raped or in a bad car wreck is the same as someone who's got their friends blown up in front of them. You have the four basic food groups, you have insomnia, you have anxiety, you have depression, you have anger. It's the same symptoms, the severity of those can and change um usually the the types of ways that you cope with in yours it was like different substances it was going to raves for connection and stuff like that that you're missing like it's basically everybody goes through that when they experience trauma um but it was for me it was a comparison and that's what kept me from it but once i finally realized like don't compare just accept the fact that you have these going on my drive, maybe it's just my stubbornness, but my drive to be like, I'm not re- living the rest of my life like this. Mm. So I'm going to do whatever I need to, to figure this out. I did that earlier on. than I think a lot of people do. That's good. That mighty Oaks probably was. Oh yeah. That, that helped. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to wait a couple of years before I actually got to go to that program. And so there was a lot of things I had to figure out on my own. Right. Um, before I got there, but there was still like, there was something missing. I just couldn't, I, I don't know if it was just not enough life experience to know what was missing and stuff. For me, it was reconnecting with, with God. Oh, okay. You know, like it was just in, in this macho man environment of the military. It's like, if you're religious, it's kind of weak. Like we got a job to do. And, and so pushing that to the side for so long, I grew up a Christian. Right. And so I pushed that to the side, you know, you had your fun, but the purpose behind my life was missing 
and I didn't know how to find it. I'm trying to find it in all these other things and getting frustrated in myself that like, I don't have control over my life anymore. These things are happening. I'm trying and nothing's working. Okay. I'll just, I need to leave it to, to God, direct my life, be more content with where you're at, always striving to be better, but know that God's got a plan for you. And so my purpose kind of, it kind of evolved, like it's still evolving. It's not like I found my purpose, but it's, I, I'm not worried about what's going to happen next. It's, it's made me a happier person, you know, did, was there a point where the, the final breaking point for you, where you decided there's something up here? I gotta. Yeah. Well, I've alluded a little bit to it. Um, I've, I'm, I've been, I've been hesitant to kind of go here because not a lot of people know, but I think this is all right. Um, that day I graduated college when I was in my loop. I had a lot of family in the area. Uh, Sydney came down from San Jose to see it. You know, a lot of friends came in. I also knew that a lot of my friends had gotten jobs and I had this legal record that was precluding me, you know, from a lot of interviews. Uh, I didn't want to be stuck bartending. I had meant, I mentioned I was really drunk. Uh, I ended up, uh, slashing my, slashing my arm up and, and on the way to the party after. You know, or not not on the way, like Sydney had gotten in her car and she was going to take her car over. I, was, I had a Nissan Frontier at the time and I thought I had the bread knife for the cake. And and I thought, well, she's heading all the way across town. That's a good 20 minutes. You know, I figured I could just kind of die quietly mm -hmm. in the truck, in the parking lot, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and so I tried and Sydney had circled back around. And saw my truck still sitting there. And she's like, what's he doing? And found me. And got me to the hospital. You know? Yeah. Obviously, I got sober after that. You know, yeah. I, knew, I knew I didn't want to wake up when I was doing it. And that was peaceful. That sounded nice. Mm -hmm. um, sounded nice. And then when I saw my mom and my dad and my brother after it in Sydney and all the, all the hurt, you know, that I was now pausing, not just having. I knew that I couldn't, it wasn't up to me when to leave, even if I want to, you know? Right. And I knew, I, you always know it's going to get better, right? You always know. You know, life's got ups and downs, right? Yeah. Um, I knew that at the time. But I don't think that was enough for me to, to keep going. I wasn't just going to keep going, just, so, you know, holding on for the next, the next up, right? I needed to keep going for the people around me. And yeah, and, and that's why I can't drink. Yeah. Um, I'll die again. I'll die if I drink. I'll, I'll try. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there was a, uh, a moment, I talked about it a little bit in one of my previous podcasts that, uh, or my previous episodes, where I was in my apartment complex and just like lost. Like, I, I, dude, I don't know. I can't get a job. I don't have any skills that apply to any new job. I'm going to be starting at the very bottom. It's super expensive where I'm living. Like, 
I don't know what my purpose is. I went my whole childhood wanting to be a Marine, and now I don't have that anymore. I just didn't know. And I made that decision where, like, it wasn't so much ending it was part of the conversation, but it was, like, one of the options. Right. And I was like, okay, well, I know I don't want to live like this, so I'm going to get, I got to get better. I don't know how to get better. I don't know where to go for that, but I know I'm going to get better. So my baseline, I made it like, that's not even an option anymore. Like, I'll live under a freeway in a cardboard box, but I'm always going to try to figure this out. And so when I took that off the table, my baseline was like, okay, yeah, this sucks, but what's next? Let's, let's figure this out. But then on top of that, it was like, dude, people talk about finding your purpose. I'm listening to like, motivational podcasts and stuff like people just giving you the raw raw speech and i'm like saying it over and over in my head trying to like tell myself out of this and uh and so i just fixated like on okay solve a problem in the world what's what's the problem at the time it was the va was just sucking i couldn't get appointments and all that stuff i'm like this whole thing is messed up i'm gonna fix the healthcare system what do i gotta do for that Hmm. just started reading books and listening to you know podcasts or whatever youtube videos and then learning, you need money for that. Okay, I can't get a job. How am I going to get money? Started look, reading books on like the stock market and like all that stuff. And it's just like been a slow progression of learning new things yeah. over and over and over and over again. Where the purpose isn't, it's not like fixing healthcare. Maybe I can do that in the future. That's not the goal. The goal is just to be the better version of myself. And then as I meet new people, they get that version of me. Yeah. And so it was just building on that over years and years. Um, and now I'm doing this. Like, I never in a million years thought I would do this. Right. You know, it just kind of grew into it. And so I, don't, I still don't really know what my purpose is, but I'm, I'm on, on my way. You're on the path. Yeah. yeah. If I were to die right now, I'm a happy man. I feel like I've learned a lot. I, I hope that I help a lot of people. There's a lot of people I've burned that looking back, I'm like, idiot. Why'd you do that? You know? But yeah, I mean, that's kind of how like I've transitioned through all that stuff. Um, I I can't imagine going through what you've gone through. And you you took the hard road. You took a really hard road. Every hard road I could find. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you graduate. You're now on your way to be like you're an engineer now. Yeah. Yeah. Mechanical engineer degree. First, first few days after that are spent in the VA mental hospital down in Long Beach, you know, mm-hmm. with a bunch of crazies, man. That was a wild one. Uh, yeah. The, the, yeah. I, I, I took notes while I was in there. I was like, I'm going to write a book. You know, that was so, some crazy, crazy people. And now I don't think I'll ever write that book. Yeah. I yeah. think that's, I think <laughs> I'm all right. Um, but yeah. So yeah, and then I uh, uphill from there, man. You know, got got sober again. You know, um, this time it's stuck from booze. You know, um, but yeah, just uh, and then I was still a bartender, so I'm sober bartending. You know, and knowing I have this degree, knowing I have this potential, I'm spending. You know, I was spending a few hours a day in the Starbucks up the road from my apartment in Long Beach. You know, just applying, applying, applying. You know, just hoping 
someone's gonna wave that background check you know oh yeah um and then um I got a, a lead up here from my brother that lives up here. You know, he, he knew a guy that he, he teaches a guy's daughters, you know, and this guy happens to be high up in a, in an engineering firm, you know? So I got just really lucky, you know, got a hook up, moved up here, um, stayed clean, you know, just kept, kept, kept my head down. was finally making some money. Uh, rates were at 2%, you know, oh, yeah. my house and the good old days. Yeah, no kidding, man. Yeah, but I, I got really lucky at the time. I didn't know how lucky I was going to get. You know, mm-hmm. in hindsight, it was the time. Right. You know, I, I, this house, this property is appreciated like 20% yeah. since I've got it. You know, and then it was, that was within the first year. It's just kind of hanging out. Now I'm sure mm-hmm. it'll drop a bit. Um, pretty cool, you know, and, and I've got a low mortgage. You know, I was able to quit my job because of this house, Yeah. you know, and, and follow what I'm doing now. Which for the listeners, I'm a, I've got a wood shop in this garage and put my job in May, and now I just build things all day and sell them. Yeah. Hmm. So did how long were you at that uh, engineering job? That's uh, two years, two years and some change. Let's take a quick potty break. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. For sure. We pause this. All right. So we're back from our break, and we got to clarify something. It's a bathroom break, not a potty break. I said potty break. I just immediately, I've never said that before. So I, I usually say I got to take a piss. I don't know why I cleaned it up for, for you guys. That's all right. That's all right. But we were for our PG listeners out there. This- <laughs> Cover your ears, kids. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah. So you said you wanted to back things up a little bit. Where were you? Uh, Oh yeah, so we're you had touched on the the sort of higher power thing, mm-hmm. but we were on. What were we on right before we left? That we should segue. Goodness, here we go. Uh, my my, my short term memory issues popping up. Yeah, no worries. I can go into mine. Okay. Um, the higher power thing. I mean, you were talking about how, you know, that was kind of what made it for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the thing missing. Is you kind of kind of found found some peace in in God again. You know, as we're as we were brought up, um, and and you mentioned your stubbornness. I've got that too. You know, and and that's that's something that that gives me issue with the God that we grew up with. Mm-hmm. You know, the God of the Bible, which, yeah, man, I know it backwards and forwards given our upbringing. You know, I, right. I know how to, you know, I know how to think about it. I know, I know, I know it. You know, and that that's been helpful for me, but not in the way of of following it it's been helpful for my own analysis and for my own thought because i i I always took issue and this this is just me personally i always took issue growing up that this all-knowing god had created us knowing that we were going to go sin knowing that he was going to then save us from sin right and then the only i i I didn't like that it it was like okay you, you we're 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 gay, we're pieces on a board, man. Yeah. You know, and, and, oh, all I got to do is worship you. Like, you don't sound like a cool guy. You know, that didn't sound like someone I wanted to spend eternity with. And eternity is just, heaven's just described as being with God, being in God. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that that might not be my guy, you know? So I, I've, I've taken a, a, a very broken down view of the Bible. 
sense and, and spirituality in general, right? So I think of it as like, you think of the old Catholic church, right? And all the man-made crap they've built up, not crap, I apologize, rituals and and extras that are built into the Catholic church that aren't scriptural, mm-hmm. right? And Martin Luther came in and said, hold on, scripture only says this, right? And that's where we get the Protestant church. It's a broken down version of the Catholic church. In my logic, in my mind, I think there's still more to break down. I think there's still more man-made stuff mm-hmm. involved in that. And I think a lot of the Bible is where I'd consider the man-made stuff. A lot of the stories, you know, there's obviously valuable lessons in everything in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. But taken literally, I think, can be misleading in reality. Um, I also had a problem with that uh, the Christian God could be the only one right because we went to war right we're yeah. we're over there i've i've got blood on my hands and you're telling me i sent those guys to hell just because they were born over there yeah, yeah. i have an, i have an issue with that yeah you know? I, and, and if you look at who their god is it's the god of abraham too. absolutely absolutely so. and we're supposed to just so i don't like the luck involved mm-hmm. with going to heaven right oh i was born in the usa i was taught a christian education so Lucky me, bitches. Yeah. Here I go to heaven. Sucks for you. No virgins for you, right? And mm-hmm. all that shit. You know, that doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't yeah. seem... And and if that's God, again, he doesn't sound like my guy, right? So I, I've been trying to maybe redefine him from the bubble view that we grew up in, the Veggie Tales God that we know, mm-hmm. right? That's, you know, kind of cut and dry in a lot of ways, but also kind of jealous and pathetic in a lot of ways, you know, but. Yeah. Well, I think if most people are being really honest with themselves, they have those same questions. Well, I've justified them a little and I'd love to go into it. Like I said, it's just been in my own head. Yeah. You know, but I've, I've tried to just pick out, not pick out, but break down the Bible into what it's essentially saying. Yeah. What the essence of God is, right? Yeah. Now, biblically, we can say God is love, God is light, God is music, God is action. Mm-hmm. To an engineer, what are these things? These are energy, right? Sound, right? Impacts. I mean, these are all these are all energy, mm-hmm. right? And energy is in us. It's around us, right? It is, it's, it's what drives life, right? That, that is, I don't know, right? It fits right. With, with all these vi- biblical parallels. I've got yeah. more, you know, but um, so to me, I, I wanted to take just what I think the essence, the, the essence of God is mm-hmm. because we know the history of the canonization of the Bible. Mm-hmm. We know a lot of men throughout the years have had their fingers in. We also know a lot. How of long the Roman Catholics had control over just the religion itself. And- Constantine put it all together. Mm-hmm. You're going to tell me that one guy didn't have an ambition, an agenda. Right. You know, he, there, we know of books that were left out. Mm-hmm. We also know those books were written by men. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, you got all the different denominations now and like all of their bickering amongst each other of what's the right translations. Right. Yeah. And, and but it, it makes more sense to me that 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 might be an impartial energy that we're looking at as, as God, right? right. A creative force, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and then I look at heaven. So I, I want to justify whatever our existence means kind of has to do with what happens after it, right? So 
if we're not going to some heaven with streets paved to gold, as I don't believe we are, right? Then what are we going to do? And I, I believe our identities cease when, when we're gone. But I don't believe that's not heavenly. I don't believe we're not in the energy, right? I think yeah. whatever lessons we've learned, whatever consciousness we possess is all sort of connected, you know, and it, I'm still kind of figuring out all that. But either way, the, the parallels to heaven is that we're just being in God and being in warmth and love and light. Now, now draw that over to hell. Right. right. What's hell? A lake of fire, gnashing of teeth, book of Matthew, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe. It's also described as just being without God, being mm -hmm. without those warmth, love, yeah. light. I'm going to add one more. I think it's being without consciousness. So I think hell, sure, whatever parts of us that need to go to hell or whatever are, are not deserving of the yeah. energy when we're gone, the lessons maybe, mm -hmm. right? Those go to hell. Those. But hell isn't a suffering place because there's no consciousness. It's hard to say, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to say consciousness because if you don't have consciousness, conscious of what? Conscious of pain, good? Pain for one thing. Well, you don't know what's painful if you don't know what is also good. I would define. So is it, is it the lack of good? Like you're conscious of only the pain? No, no. There's no consciousness. But would you know? So, so I don't think you're you. Yeah. A, right. But I do believe there's a consciousness, mm -hmm. and I think we're all maybe, maybe more one than we think. That's kind of where this spirituality view goes for me, right? Right, that we're maybe a conscious one, conscious entity. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the purpose of this world is. I think that maybe it's a cleansing, right? That we're here to learn our lessons. We're here to do our best and yeah. figure things out. And and I think that's what goes on, yeah. right? And becomes maybe a cleansed version if there's any sort of afterlife. But I think. Taylor Lasseter dies when Taylor Lasseter dies. Mm -hmm. I think Drew Schooler dies when Drew Schooler dies. Right. And then I think we get to go on. And that's so relieving to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think leaving, there's a, do you know who Dustin Kensher is? I don't know. He's a singer, uh, very, he's, he's a Christian. Um, he's uh, Thrice's lead singer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's got a solo album and one of the songs, actually, it's a Thrice song, but. He wrote into it that uh, we'll meet beyond the pines. I don't know. It's called beyond the pines, but he has a line in there that uh, we'll leave our identities. And I, I like for a while there, I was just getting choked up just thinking of that line. Mm -hmm. Sounds nice. Yeah. You know, like, wow, that sounds cool. Whatever the fuck that means. I'm in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I have these same thoughts too about different things. You know, it's a, it's an interesting thing to be put in a position like a life and death scenario or just, just the simple fact that you're in somebody else's crosshairs, knowing that they are looking at you and they have that power to take your life. And then it didn't happen. But then for some of your buddies, it did happen. And yeah. And, but it's like, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. You know, I just went on a hunting trip and, I was, you know, I, I do this where I go into these deep, deep thoughts. I don't even smoke weed and I go into these deep things. Yeah. But I'm thinking about like, this deer is beautiful. It just lives its life. And it dies a pretty, it still dies, but it dies a pretty gnarly death if I don't yeah. kill it how I Roman kill it. talks about that. Yeah. 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 And to think about like creation and how 
it's it's so complicated. Everybody likes the black and white one and zero, but it and it's like it's so complicated. Mm-hmm. The wars that are fought, they'll tell you what the wars fought over, and then you find out later that's not what it's actually fought over. Yeah, it's just so yeah, it's so complicated. Yeah. Um, I did this scenario where I was thinking about uh, this guy was there was some story where this dude was like a he was molested as a like a baby like his whole life by his parents and how messed up you you get in the head from that kind of thing and then when he gets older he ends up killing his parents and then he's in a psych ward the whole time and then he's talking to a priest who's trying to you know convert him and like god can forgive you and stuff like that but this dude's mind is so gone that it's like can he I know we like to say when we don't know of whether or not someone is saved or not, we like to say, well, maybe they're having a conversation with God and he knows their heart and stuff. But it's like, if you look at their life, like there were, you know, unless there's divine revelation or something, like, what does that mean? You know, like, and you talk about the conscious consciousness thing. Yeah. What does that actually mean? Yeah. I don't know. I haven't figured this thing all yeah. the way out yet. Yeah. Um, there was something you hit on, and I was going to say something I totally forgot. But um, yeah, I I have these same conversations too, mm-hmm. you know. And I think for me, it's uh, it's a longing to to figure them out. And I might I might never figure them out before I die, or you know, I could be my last breath. I'm like, oh, sure, right. you know, right. I don't know. But I think the your life's journey and like the trying to leave a legacy, a positive legacy. Think about my grandpa and he was raised Catholic and he did all of the, the, the rituals and the chants and stuff. He could say them mm-hmm. forwards, backwards. But whenever he died, he had people at his funeral that none of the family knew. It was people that he had met like one time in a bar. They just, they just were attached to him. He was an awesome dude. He traveled all over the place. He's hardworking. And they met him one time and then they came to, they heard that he died and they came to this, this funeral. And to me, that is like so appealing, you that know, charisma. yeah, that charisma, that that's the, the effect that it has on the people around you, the relationship with God. I don't know. That's between him and God. And even the Bible talks about that, but we, we kind of put everybody in a bubble yeah, and we try to make it binary their whole life and everything that they've experienced, you know? It's just, I don't know, it's more complicated and more nuanced than I think people want to talk about. Um, but I, it's good to talk about it. Yeah. Not be so hateful whenever you're talking about this kind of stuff to people that maybe don't think. Well, that's the thing, too, is like, like we may have said this off mic, but everybody that has some sort of view, they've probably thought about it. You know what I mean? They, they, and they, they've probably, you know, if they hold it truly, you know, they've probably tr- figured some things out about it. Everybody's got their own backgrounds and perspectives. You know, I'm not, shoot, I love hearing everybody else's perspective. I love sharing mine. I don't feel any sort of missionary way about mine. You know what I mean? I'm not yeah. trying to change anyone, yeah. you know, and I appreciate any insights given that I can then maybe apply to my view and maybe switch my view up a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think that's necessary. And that's shit, that's science anyway. Yeah. That's how you grow. Yeah, we're supposed to do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, I did remember what I was going to say the looking at all of the different religions of the world and 
if you look at like Christianity versus Islam, we know they come from basically the same God, but each side's perception of that God is what's different. Like, for being honest, Ishmael kind of did get screwed. If we're being honest about it, and he kind of did. So, of course, his perception of God is that. And then the perception of Isaac's side Uh, is what theirs is. But it's the same God, right? Yeah. yeah. And then you were talking about how, you know, the connection, its energy and all this stuff. Then you look at like Buddhism. And there's, there is truth to that, being connected with the world around you, to the environment. You know, everything is more peaceful. You're, you're looking at nature. It's all this stuff. I have Japanese side in my family. No, my mom's my mom's half Japanese. Oh, and so I got a lot of uh, Japanese family, and and uh, some of them are Buddhist and stuff. And you know, growing up with that, like I grew up Christian, but I was exposed to Buddhism. Like when my great grandma died, uh, her service was in a Buddhist temple in L.A. Right, I think it was L.A. Um, and the dude that was doing the service used to be Catholic. And so I've had this exposure to these different religions over the years. And then I'm trying to like, as you're in Afghanistan and you're like, both sides are ready to pull the trigger and kill each other. They're fighting this holy war. I'm a Christian. Maybe I'm not walking with God how I should be or I've been told to be. But you're trying to process all this. And it's like, this world is way too complicated to to put each other like that. And I think like the elements of the Bible where it talks about, uh, you know, being graceful whenever you're talking about these things and showing grace to others, mm-hmm. there's a reason for that. Right. Be empathetic, yeah, sympathetic. Like you have to, you're not going to connect with someone saying all fags go to hell <laughs> on the corner. Like no one is going to get saved because you said that. No one's trying to connect on those corners. They're picking fights. Yeah. Looking for media. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and now you had social media that's just blaring all this craziness. You know, it's like, of course, we're going to fight with each other when you're trying to fight. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you find your peace, right? And you find your, yeah. you know, I don't know. That's all you can do, I think. You know, the, the, the zone I'm in now with the woodwork, mm-hmm. you know, I've, Obviously, I, I'm equating God and a lot to this physical universe and making mm-hmm. sense of it where I can. And the absolute truths that I find in geometric, you know, yeah. you know, mathematical properties of wood, there's, there's, like I said before, there's one answer. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some leeway. I might have a little bit of a wobbly joint if I don't find that one answer right on. Right. Or if I'm closer, you know, or, or further away. But it's consistent and it's findable, mm-hmm. right? And the woods got its own personality, you know. And but but the, the point is, it's, I'm in my zone. Yeah, I'm finding truth, and I'm finding, you know, I'm wrestling. My buddy, my buddy Ricky said it the best. He said, "It sounds like you're in there wrestling with divinity itself," and I kind of am. Oh man, in yeah. this crazy, in this one car garage that I have stacked too many tools in, <laughs> you know, I, I that's what I'm doing now. Yeah, you know? and and. I think that's all you can do or, or you can do your best, you know, at what you're, at what you're called to do. I, I think that's all, all a person can do in their life, you know? And, and if, once you're doing that, it's hard to be divided. Yeah. Right. Cause let, let those guys be divided. Right. I don't really need to be a part of that. 
Right. I can hermit up in my garage. Or if what you're good at is social, then maybe that's where you need to be finding your zone. Yeah. Right. And where you need to be, you know, fixing things. Mm -hmm. I do it with wood because I don't like people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And actually, that's, uh, it's funny you say that because. Uh, when I told you I was like looking into stock market and all that stuff, that stuff made sense to me. Yeah. It was like, I could, I could read it and I could just boom, 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 just come to the conclusion. Cause it's largely based on human psychology. Right. Which is where yeah. And yeah. And so like, you know, and probably why podcasting, I enjoy podcasting and talking to other people and getting the vibe of like, you know, what you're feeling and maybe where I can lead the conversation. Like I, I love doing that, but the business side of it, it was like, I can talk no training on business other than like the experience I have so far. I can talk business and like come up with ideas for business. A lot of it is the 60,000 foot view though. Yeah. It's not so much the nitty gritty, but I enjoy the process of, I like being the guy that's like in support. Like you're doing this thing and you're struggling. And I'm like, I can, I can play it out. I can lay it out in front of me. You seen Queen's Gambit? the netflix with the the, the chest thing yeah part of that she like looks up at the ceiling and she can like see the whole thing that's how i feel like whenever i look at business stuff or when i'm talking about business things um why i don't know i know my my grandpa that i was just talking about he was a he was kind of like that he was very good at at business and doing stuff like that and he was successful because that but he never i never really talked to him about it so then i'm like where does that come from because my parents you know, they're analytical and, and stuff, but like not specific to business stuff. Yeah. Where does it come from? Dude, I'm going to back you up with my own little parallel on your story. Okay. I, my grandpa was extremely mechanical and technical huh. and worked on motorcycles. I never really worked with him on it. Yeah. But now I get in here and, and I, like I said, I built my first cutting board a year ago. Now I'm running my own wood shop. You know, it's all made sense to me. It's the same thing you're mm-hmm. talking about. Like, I look at it, I see my little, you know, switches and views like you're seeing with business. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's there's talk of genetic memory, mm-hmm. right? That would, if I were to tie it to my little spiritual thing, I would mm-hmm. call it a, 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 our own consciousness mm-hmm. passing on the lessons. Yeah. Right? Um, but that's interesting that you get that zone mm-hmm. with the same thing your grandpa got. I'm the same way. Yeah. You know? It's, it's hard for me to, for you, it's like tangible. It's like, right. It's there, you do it and you, people see it and they're like, wow, that's great for me. Like in order for people to take me serious is if I had like a business and I was super successful and all these things that I talk about, like it's visual, like you can see it. I have this business. I'm a podcaster right now. Right. I've made some good financial decisions, but I don't have that thing every day where someone can look at and be like, Oh, he's successful. So right now. Yeah. Not yet. But not kind of leading back into the, the purpose thing of like always searching for your purpose. Like I'm fine where, wherever I'm at, I'm, I'm, I'm good there. Not that I'm okay. I dropped my pack. Now I'm just going to sit on the couch, eat chips all day. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm always driving to be better. I'm always trying to get to that point. I do have this goal of like what I want to do with business in the country. Like my, my goal for my thing is a countrywide thing, almost like creating another economy of just small business where they're, they're not affected so much by the geopolitical macroeconomic space. Whereas everything tries to get more one world government, one world 
currency based globalist thing in this country, because I love this country, I know that small business has to thrive. Right. Something needs to protect that. It was our constitution. It was our government recognizing our constitution. That's what it was. It's getting less and less of that. They were picking everybody else except for us. Something needs to be there. Yeah. So when I'm thinking about it, 60,000 foot view, we got to do this. And I have to be content with the fact that I might not be the one to do it, but maybe in the way that I live my life, someone watching it, they're the person that ends up doing it. You know? Right. Or several. Or several people. Yeah. Several. And yeah. as you grow, that'll, that'll happen more. Right. Too. So, and we kind of talked off, off mic about, um, I'm not trying to rush anything or force anything. And that's honestly, for me, it's a, just God's taking the wheel, hmm. you know, and whoever's listening to that, you might not be, you might not be a Christian, but I, I do get the sense that a lot more people these days are recognizing there is some kind of spiritual higher power type of thing and no one can really put their finger on it but there are a lot of people who weren't christian that are like yeah there's something there's something there because in all the chaos there is some kind of order and where does that come from is it science is it is there something else i mean i know scientists they 13.8 billion years is how old the universe is but that's what they can visualize with light but if you talk to someone who is like a young earth, you know, creationist thing, how do you explain that 13.8 billion years exists? Yeah. Is that true? Or is that, is that like manipulated by man for an agenda? And, and I haven't personally done any of that astrophysical research, yeah. you know, so, but. So it's all, basically everything we know is all anecdotal. There is something like, you feel, yeah, there is something that everybody, I think, inside feels that there is, there's something, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we're all just making sense. Yeah. Um, I think with the age of the earth, if we could go micro on okay. that, yeah. I, 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 I tend to think we're less special than we want to be. And I think the creationist viewpoint sort of suggests that we want there to be less time because we want to be the only people, right? We want the Bible to be true, right? And, and, and there's, there's a lot of wants there. There's a lot of, like, hopeful sort of confirmations, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the specialness. You know, it's, you see it in Flat Earth, right? They, they need there to be a conspiracy, so there's someone, you know, to fight against. So they're the, they're the rebels, you know, that's, yeah. that's sort of at the core of it. Or, or any, any conspiracy theory that's wild, you know, or wildly untrue. I think, you know, the, the view that there might not be any aliens is, or any, any planets anywhere that have life on them, I think is vastly improbable, right? And it also suggests that we want to be more special than we are. We want to be the yeah. only rock in this huge gap of nothing mm -hmm. that has life on it. Hi. I'm not so precious on being special. There's already yeah. 7 billion of us here. We're not special yeah. already. Like let's let's have some mind open to the truth, yeah. you know, and and to what's more probable, yeah, you know, and with the size and I mean, you're right. I haven't been to space, you know what I mean. I, I know enough math to know the Earth's around. Like I could, yeah, I could figure that out for you pretty quick. But 
I I don't know about space. I've never really done any telescoping or, you know, any sort of those astronomical calculations. So I am taking everybody at their word, but everybody's got kind of a similar word, right? You know? Yeah. Well, I I think about it too. Um, Christians will argue with each other over, I don't know, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib rapture. Oh, that's a funny one. Right? They'll, They'll argue over that and like, can you lose your salvation and stuff like that? They'll argue over how old the universe is. But if we're really being honest and we actually look at what the, what Jesus said, my opinion is that Jesus had, if you're looking at the Bible, it's basically a lineage leading up to Jesus and then like kind of how you should live your life until the rapture. Right? But what Jesus said had to be so basic that anybody on the planet for all time and any language and any culture had to understand the basic concept. And if we look at what he basically said was like, love the world as I love you, like unconditional love Mm -hmm. like that. And just honestly believe that I'm God. Right. It's basically, it's basically it. Mm -hmm. That would, if people just like broke that down, you're more empathetic to people and their different belief systems. Maybe they were, uh, they have a rough past. Maybe you have a rough past. And why why are you so judgmental of everybody? Be be graceful in your advice that you give people, but love them. You can still love them. You don't have to love the things that they do. Maybe they're right. maybe they're just messed up people. But that's really all it was. And I I think if you if you look at most religions, that's basically what all of them say. For the most part. And then there's all this other stuff that's added over the years. And if people take as, no, it's okay. It's people take as like, this is the way, like you have to do this. And I think all the legalism gets built up over the years. I just, I, I have a hard time. Just, just the simple fact, just looking at killing, looking at war and the complexities behind that. I just recently read uh, War is a Racket by Smedley Butler. Mm-hmm. It's just a little book. He's a general two-time Medal of Honor recipient, World War One, And he talks about like war. It has, it's a business. All the money that's made, someone's making the money, somebody's getting screwed, you know, who's actually paying for it. When you look at that, and then you look at like the ideal idealism that they say that are fighting each other. And it's like, a recruitment tool yeah it's like it's it's way too complicated to just put it one person is bad and the other one isn't right you know i know a ton of we come into a village in afghanistan and they got wife kids they're farmers they do this thing and then you know the village gets shot at and so we're now in this thing but in the back of our minds we're kind of like protecting this village mm-hmm. on the micro level you're protecting the guy next to you you're protecting whoever's around you you're trying to get out of there alive on the macro level up in washington they're looking at how much money did that just cost us where what's the equipment where's the serial numbers you know maybe even more malicious than that like we're going to use these people to influence this region so we can do this yeah you know you know mm-hmm. i just it's way too complicated so yeah, that's a, we kind of got like way out there. Yeah, we went out. Yeah, that military industrial complex is interesting though. And Eisenhower was another big uh, top 
yeah. you know, um, week, I guess you could say. But it, yeah, I don't know. It's huge and it's a business, same as yeah. everything else. Yeah. And that's, yeah, we can go into capitalism and unfettered <laughs> capitalism and what's the answer to that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and generally speaking, I think the American dream is your ability to provide for yourself and your family kind of however you see fit. I think so. it's not so much white picket fence, 1950s, like work in a factory. I, if that, that might be something that somebody's okay with doing, but I think it's overall just however you see fit to. Well, that brings back to your, your podcast in general, mm-hmm. right? So the small business thing. And I, I don't know, I'm a personal example, but lots, we're seeing lots of that spring up more. Yeah. You know, people aren't wanting to go back to work and maybe that's the natural correction to what we've seen. Yeah. Right. The natural correction to Amazon. Mm-hmm. Right. There was a natural correction to Target when Target closed became lame. Right. I mean, there's going to be these, you know, yeah. like Amazon's going to be the same way. They're going to be like, oh, you got that on Amazon. That's cool. I had this guy down the street make this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's going to swing back. And maybe I think COVID was a catalyst to swing it toward small businesses, even yeah. though we saw at least it opened so much. a lot of people's eyes to. I feel like we've just been like lulled asleep in this trans. Everything's so easy. Yeah. And we forgot about the, the, uh, I don't know, like the, the good feeling that you get from the hard labor and seeing something through. Well, people don't know what they can make. Yeah, that right. too. Yeah. People don't know how easy it is to put a screw a screw anchor in your wall and hang something up, right? Mm-hmm. They have they call people to do it. Yeah, like you were talking about build yeah. me this IKEA desk. Yeah, <laughs> I get I get building requests, yeah, from people that, that want me to help put together their IKEA cabinet. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a hardwood furniture builder. I, yeah. I hate to be snobby about my jobs, but I'm not gonna take that job. Right. You know, like like it's made easy so you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Call your neighbor. Yeah. Like, or I get, it's weird, man. I don't know what it is about this town that I'm living in, but people walk up my driveway just because they see me working out here. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll walk up and go, hey, man. And I'm like, go away. Like, I'm working and I don't know you. But it's happened more than once and I try to be friendly. But yeah, a few times there's been guys saying, hey, I see you out here working. Uh, can you know me such and such? It doesn't need to be nothing fancy. And I'm like, well, then you do it. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't um, need to be fancy, then it's not my job. I yeah. got client jobs backed out four months, dude. I'm not going to, you know, if you want to order it in hardwood and let me do some artsy shit to it. Yeah. Then, we get, then we're talking, but I'm not going right. to build you some plywood bullshit because I'm not the plywood bullshit guy. Yeah. yeah your, your stuff is, is dope, man. Thanks, like, man. I saw the first cutting board that you had posted. And I was like, and then, and then I heard that you had gone to engineering school. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, engineering <laughs> gives me a big edge. Yeah. It's cool. I've never, I never got taught to use most of these tools except for by YouTube. Yeah. You know, it's just, I, I, and I was learning that while I was engineering. Yeah. So I'd, I'd have YouTube just kind of going. I had three screens up there, mm-hmm. you know, from my company and I'd be working. I'd have YouTube on the small screen and pretty soon, I mean, I had bought tools when I bought my house and I was like, okay, I'm going to need tools. I'm going to need a table. So I don't know why, Yeah. but I'll need it for the house, you know? So, and then I, I, I would walk into my garage and I just sit, see all my tools just sitting there, not building anything. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, shoot, you know, I guess I can learn how to build something on these. They're not going to do it themselves. You know? Yeah. So 
put on some videos and I swear to God, man. Oh, you know what? That's, that's an interesting backstory for this company. Uh, cause I'm called plague rat woodwork. Okay. Right. Uh, and, and so it, the, the background to that name was while I was learning all this stuff, you know, and I had, I had built a few cutting boards, a few boxes, uh, the COVID vaccine thing was, was kind of at its, at its heat. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and I, I went into it like an engineer. I'm thinking, okay, this is a brand new technology for a vaccine. I know that version one of anything you probably want to wait on. Right. So if, you know, I'm, I'm young, I'm, I'm not in any risk group. I'm going to wait on version one, see, see how they do for version two. Yeah. Or, or just wait and see how version one does. Um, and then it got so weird. You know what I mean? It got so pressury. It right. got so political like, and yeah. And then I got stubborn again. Mm-hmm. You know, I tend yeah. to do that. And, uh, and I was like, okay, well, I'm not getting it now, you know, not because I, I'm scared of it or I think there's anything particularly maybe malicious about mm-hmm. it. I mean, we'll see if that's the case, Yeah. but I don't, I'm not jumping to that right away, but more like, I just don't want you telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. You know? And then my company was really cool. They didn't have, ever end up firing anyone for it, Yeah. but you know, we were contractors with other companies. So we were getting right. guidance that maybe these yeah. people on these projects might be forced, you know? So I was gearing up. Yeah. I was ready to quit. Yeah. And I thought, how am I going to make money? Okay. I just learned how to use all these new tools. You know, maybe I can woodwork. And yeah. we came up with the name Plague Rat because they're That's all, so all, us, all us unvaxxed. Yeah. People. I thought maybe it was like a call sign or something that you had. Nah. Like in the military. No, my call sign was firewood. Are you serious? Firewood. No yeah. way. Yeah. Cause I was a fire crotch. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. That's so funny. Yeah. Firewood. Firewood. Wow. Do you like to play with wood? Uh, yeah, interesting. Now, isn't it? That's so interesting. Yeah, I hadn't tied that yet. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I was firewood. But yeah, yeah that's that's the color of my hair though. I was working uh I told you that um I had I had left my W two job to start my video right. thing. And I did that. I left that December of twenty nineteen. So 2020 was when everything went crazy. So I had a few months of money saved up to go do this thing. And I was, I was getting, uh, I was setting up contracts with little small businesses and stuff like that. Uh, April rolled around 2020. And that's when governor Sisolak in Vegas okay. or in Nevada, um, when he shut everything down, I never in a billion years would have thought the casinos would allow a, sh- a full shutdown. No kidding. I was like, dude, that's billions of dollars. There's no way they're going to allow that. And he got outed, right? Just recently. Yeah. yeah. You knew it was going to happen. That's when I stopped my company. And I was based solely on small businesses. And I wasn't established enough to stand on my own. Right. And there were so many people that were complying with everything that was going on. And I'm like, dude, just don't say anything. Just do, do your regular thing. And they weren't doing it. And so I had to kind of take a step back and figure out what I was going to do. And that's when I went out to Southeast Texas to, I was working at a rescue company in the oil refinery side. I was like, oil's not stopping. So yeah, I'll do that just to make some money. And uh, the same similar thing. It's a lot of contractors coming together to work on different projects. The small businesses will say, no, we're not doing this. Or the oil refinery itself was like, we're not allowing anybody in who's not vaccinated. Mm. Right. Right. And so I was seeing a lot of that and, you know, I'm just like, dude, just no, like, this is like every other vaccine. You should be able to 
tell people what you want to put in your body. Yeah. Like, come on. Well, and it was so new. Yeah, that too. It's like, and it doesn't even work now. We know. It's I don't even. Like, yeah. I don't even have to. I don't even have to like play this all the way out. I just a couple steps ahead. Just be like, eh, I don't trust that yet. Right. You know. Right. Like, and and but you weren't allowed to. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to judge you for for getting it, but it's, don't prevent my way of life because because I don't like it's just it was so weird and I think that that was kind of the whole everybody being lulled to sleep thing you know we look at politically we look at people that have been in office for so long and it's like well you let them stay in office for yeah. that long like and now it benefits them yeah now it benefits yeah it now benefits them now they're entrenched they're entrenched it's a lot harder to fight against it now Right. And so I, I saw this like way back, like before I actually officially started my, my company, a company's called Homage Enterprises. Mm -hmm. um, and that's evolved like multiple times over since I started it. But I was seeing where the progression of the, where everything's tightening on small businesses, not just prices, but like regulation and like people's ability to just do the thing and keep their businesses alive. Like you worked in the restaurant mm -hmm. bartending business, like the profit margins aren't huge in a restaurant typically no, until it comes to booze yeah yeah that's usually the thing and so then like a couple of the businesses in vegas that i was trying to hit up um at the beginning of before covid and all that stuff they were at risk losing their business license because they were staying open or their liquor license yeah and it's like you know like this is that's that's it that's like the nail in the coffin for these people if if they're already running it yeah, as yeah. a bar and then they don't, yeah, yeah no, you got it. Then they'd have to, their menu would suffer. Yeah. Would I didn't know that all this like COVID stuff was going to happen, but I could feel this tension rising and this pressure on small businesses. Like I knew something, something's wrong. Something's off. People right. are working so hard just to make ends meet now. And then there's inflation and there's all this stuff that's happened that, you know, I, something's got to protect them. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do what I need to do before it all comes crumbling down. But I feel like I look around and this is like what you're talking about, like human ingenuity. People don't know what they're capable of. Right. I see a lot of people looking around or on Facebook. They see all the problems in the world and they're like, we need to do this. So somebody go, somebody go do that. Yeah. yeah. Somebody go do that. I, I feel like if, you know, you're not responsible for every problem in the world, but I feel like if there's something in your life that pops up and you look around and no one's doing anything about it and it is wrong, it's on you to step up. Yeah. You know, you gotta, we gotta take some responsibility for the communities we live in. Right. You know, um, I just don't see that anymore, but I see it on like a way bigger global scale. Mm. And even I get nervous. Like, I don't know if I'm, the right guy to do that well you're one of them yeah that's the thing yeah you're one of them and you're doing what you can right until you you may grow to be the guy that that would be the goal I'm yeah sure that would be how you most effectively achieve yeah. that my thing too is like because i know that like you know, money corrupts and power and all that stuff it's like i don't want it's, it's going to require whoever's taking on that endeavor to try their very best to Stay on the straight and narrow. It might be hard. It might be less money to do this thing, but it's like vital. Yeah, it's any calling, right? Yeah. It's the reason, like you know, old school priests, you know, would not have. I don't know. They would have crazy rituals and and not be able to eat certain things and have to forego 
you know, pleasures, you know, to, yeah. to be in that role. I wouldn't think that would be a horrible thing for our, our governor, you know, yeah. Our, yeah. our leaders to maybe adopt some sort of, you know, foregoings. It seems like they're eating. Like it's, that, that's like the skin in the game. Like how much skin in the game yeah. are you attached to the suffering that. Well, and that clears, clears the mind, right? Mm-hmm. Makes a better leader, right? Yeah. And, and that's to, to be the most effective at your mission that you, that you're on. Mm. Right. It's good that I think you, you've got that humility in, in mind already. And you're, you're, you know, so you, you're, you're approaching it the only healthy way and, and keep it mm-hmm. right. Cause there's going to be times when you've grown, mm-hmm. you know, it's just ego, man. It's just keeping ego in check. It's not super complicated, yeah. you know, just keeping the mission over yourself and keeping it external. I think when you're, when you're doing that kind of thing. Isn't that a novel idea that leadership, you know, be some interest, more introspective and well, servants and, and they, yeah. 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 will be actually be servants. And, and leaders that view themselves that way yeah. when they show up in our Congress for short times, you know, that mm-hmm. it shows and then they're not there long, right? Because they're pressured out and there's campaigns against them because they're too effective, right? right. I, I, Tulsi Gabbard comes to mind, mm-hmm. yep. right? She views herself a servant of Hawaii and it shows, so yeah. a servant of the U.S. and it shows. Yeah. Um, and, and she didn't stick, but she stood out. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, and there's others, other examples, I'm sure. Yeah. I think, and that was the thing too, because of the servant part, the transition to another element of life when this thing didn't work, it wasn't like a full breakdown of who she is because it wasn't about the thing she was doing. It was about the heart behind. Well, and how effective is she still? Yeah. I mean, she's got a podcast and got stuff. a podcast yeah. and you trust her more than the people that are right. in the desk yeah. still. Right. And, and that, that suggests to me some hope, right? Yeah. The fact that you can and yeah. it is necessary i agree and and we need to come back to that and and it is there's a lot that goes into that right mm-hmm. it's, it's like you said everything's easy right we you know i, I major i majored in mechatronic design right so mm-hmm. sort of automation and systems like i i know how to do things now to make things easier and that's what we've done and that's what technology has done but it's also created a class of people that, like we said, don't know what they can build. Right. They don't know how easy it is to go in and code a chip. Yeah. Right. You can Google damn near all the codes, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't know what you're doing, yeah. you know, like, or, or hammer a nail into a wall or use a drill, you know, it's, it's easy. You can get a lot done with it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and people don't know it because everything is so easy Yeah. and they underestimate themselves, but it's still out there. I, uh, I'm thinking about that uh, line in The Incredibles. The Star Incredibles yeah, movie, yeah. where uh, what was his name? Syndrome. Where it's okay. like if everyone's super, no one will be. Ah, uh, and it's like I feel like that's what like all those influencers and stuff. Everybody wants to be famous. They want to be a celebrity. They want to be all this stuff. Uh, but they want the quick route to it. Yeah. How can we automate this to make this so I get the end result as soon as possible? Right. So then once you get so there, I'm you're like, like, wow, those. the craftsmanship in this is kind of shitty. Right. Like, wow, this could have been built better. This could have been whatever. Right. And now I'm at the same level as all these other people that wanted this quick. Yeah. This quick fix. Yeah. 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 Um, I, you know, we were walking around your workshop and your your property and stuff, and you're looking at all the different woods and stuff. Do you get a, did we talk about energy earlier? Like, do you get like a weird energy touching the different woods? And like, is that? I get beauty. Okay. 
I get a lot of visual appreciation from the wood, especially as I change it. Mm. You know, putting a roundover on a beautiful piece of walnut that's already got an amazing grain makes it more beautiful. And I know mm. that now. Yeah. And then when you rub the oil on it, holy shit. Brings out everything. Ah, yeah. It's a gem. You know, I feel like I'm a, I feel like I make really big, heavy jewelry sometimes. That's how shiny this wood is to me. You know, so it's, I wouldn't say I, I get a physical transfer of energy, but I get this zone yeah. and, and this intense beauty and appreciation for the natural geometries and, and the ability for this wood, these hard woods to just hold shape when I give it to them. Yeah. Right. They just, they, you know, you, you, you'd cut a piece of pine, it might be, a little different in an hour, you know, but these hard woods, I mean, I cut those weeks ago. You can see the smooth faces on those yep. corners. Even with all this humidity, that oak is flat and feels like glass. Yeah. You know, and it's that. Yeah. So a bit of my own nerdiness there, you know, yeah, but yeah that's that's the energy I get. You know, I get mm-hmm. the, the appreciation and everything. I just learn. I learn the more I learn the properties of the, the woods, the more I know what I can do with them, the more I the more things I put together or the more different ways I put them together, the more I've now learned because I'm a designer. I'm a design. I was a design engineer. Right. And so that's how I treat my shop a little bit. I'm also a design engineer here. So the more ways I know how to put something together, the more ways I can work in my designs and make things more complex and cool and show off that wood more beautifully. I hate paint. You know, I have projects I have to paint sometimes cabinets take paint. But I think it's a waste because it's covering up the. Well, you usually only paint wood that's shit anyway. Probably, uh, okay, yeah. You know, but uh, if I could, I'd panel up. You know, see those oak panels back there. Yeah. I mean, those are, those were just planks before. They're panels. They're going to be bookcases later, right? If I could, I'd make every panel out of a hardwood. You know, yeah. it's more expensive. I'm I'm obviously got a particular clientele for that, right? You know, but. That's the energy. Yeah. Right. That's the beauty I get is, is, and I swear to God, man, sometimes I get out here and I don't even have a plan. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'll look at a piece of wood and judging by the grain, judging by what shape, what flaws it might already have, I, I'll, it'll kind of tell me what it's supposed to be. And, and I'll just freestyle shit. Yeah. You know, I'll get on the saw. I'll, I'll figure out what I want to do with it, what it should be, mm-hmm. and make it into that, you know, and, and that is the zone and that's the energy you know what i mean and that's where i'm finding just the truth and yeah i mean this wood i don't go in with a plan mm-hmm. and then this beautiful thing comes out it, it tells me i'm doing something right you know it tells me i'm I'm seeing what i need to be seeing in this stuff right I, you know i'm and I'm, I'm learning more every day i'm still so new to this mm-hmm. you know but it's very cool yeah mm-hmm. that's uh you can you can definitely see it it's I think what's funny is like the designs of some of the cutting boards and stuff. It's like, it's not like anybody's never seen the designs like that before, right. but it's for some reason when you look at your stuff, it's like, I can tell that that was like handcrafted. It wasn't in some factory. Right. Like I can tell that there was a brain, like a human brain behind that. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool to hear. Uh, what's his name from? Parks and Rex. Andy? No, no, no. Uh, Ron. Ron. Yeah. Ron. That guy. Yeah. Does, yeah, he does woodworking and stuff. Yeah, he's got a shop. And you go look at uh, some of the work that he does, and you can tell that, like, a human creativity, they saw that piece of wood, and they thought it was beautiful, and then they just worked on it. Right. 
Like there was, you can tell that like a computer can't do that. Mm. I, you look at all these things with the graphic designer, it's the AI making all these people's faces and stuff. I know like the art community is like super pissed off about this because they're like, they're like, you're, you're taking the artistry out of it. It's a computer that's doing only what it knows how to do. There's a human element of it. And I don't know if it's like slight imperfections in the thing that is also beautiful that like the eye just somehow picks up. Yep. You know, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know, I, I've actually begun building slight imperfections into my stuff. Uh, I, I didn't tell the clients this. So Summit and Pooja, sorry if you're listening. <laughs> now they're in Palo Alto. I built them this uh, entertainment center. And uh, a lot of the boards were called for one inch thick on my design. I purposely made opposite sides one one and one eighth just barely different okay it didn't affect my shelves very much right i had to cut them a little differently i didn't even tell them Mm -hmm. and and i was trying something right this is probably not the time to be trying it on a multi-thousand dollar project (laughs) and biggest client (laughs) but i had a feeling and it worked yeah and and i think that's what adds to the beauty of this thing because i you know the design is very mathematical you know, there's a lot of Fibonacci sequences in the sh- in the in the spacing of the shelves. You know, I, I was very mathematical about it. Then those slight imperfections, right? Of a difference of an eighth of an inch on just two of the parallel panels, right? It 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 offsets it. It scatters the light somewhat differently, but it still looks dead on. So you're like, wow. I don't know. It it, it worked. Yeah, yeah. And they still don't know I did that, but they're very happy with the project. Well, maybe they. We'll listen to this podcast. Yeah, know. <laughs> they're gonna be like, "You gotta be kidding me!" No, no, I'm Bro, sure they, that would be so funny. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. You know, like whenever I was doing the videography and stuff, I, I was just trying things. Mm. Like it was that still process of like, what do I like? Like, what do I like to do? I, I grew up doing sports. Obviously, I'm not doing sports now. So, like, what am I gonna do? And I had started like a vlog. Vlogging was like a thing. I hated it. Mm. But I noticed some things about it. Like, I love the process of taking the clips and editing them. I didn't like being the person that was featured in the camera. Like, I like being behind it and seeing the thing and then flipping stuff together. And I know that, like, I've always loved music. And so I would listen to a song. I would just be listening to music and I'd be like, oh, I this. If I could get these clips, if I could film these clips, I could put them to this song. Oh. And like do it like that. And then other times I would just like shoot different clips. And then I would look at it and be like, I'm kind of getting this vibe, maybe this music. Mm-hmm. And then I can put it together, I can do this, I can fade in and out, I can do this stuff. And I love that. Whenever I started adding the business side of it, um, that was a little bit weird of a it's different than what you do yours is super intensive on just you doing everything right Mm -hmm. there's a lot of other parties that are involved with getting a video together you have like other artists making the music you have uh software that's kind of helping you do different effects the process of it was fun but when i when i started trying to sell what i was putting so much time into Mm -hmm. to somebody when there's a market that's flooded with people that can just pull their iPhone out and now there's software on their iPhone where they can just do something for cheaper and they don't want to pay for it. Right. It took all of the fun out of the, the artistry of doing that. And I just, I was kind of like, all right, 
like I don't want to ruin this for me, you know. Right. So I haven't done it in a while, but I want to as I travel and do this podcast and stuff. I want to get to a place where I can visit the places around where I'm going to do the podcast yeah. and start making videos for myself. Right, and get back into that. That's eventually what I want to do. Yeah. yeah. Do, uh, do do you have? bigger plans like to get out of the garage and like get a huge workshop or is it kind of yeah there's a few things working right now uh it's funny you bring up video editing i have a actually one of my old marine buddies ricky reyes um he lives in la and he he helps people uh their youtube channels right so he boosts people's channels for a living um so we've been in chats you know to to get something started you know so i build channel up here uh, I have, I, I have a high ceiling on flag rat. Um, I, you know, I have a lot of thoughts, you know, right. and, and some of them might turn out, some of them won't, <clears throat> but, uh, one of them is to get a YouTube channel started. I see a, a growing market of makers, you know, like myself that, that want to get started, maybe don't know how to use their tools, you know, or don't know how to build something or want some design help. Uh, I'm, I'm going to definitely market myself as more of a, like, uh, an engineer and a builder, you know, so I'm going to go into design details and structural mm-hmm. analysis of things as well as builds, yeah. you know, and, uh, we've, we've got a lot of things working on that, uh, but that'll be fun. But that flagrat YouTube, I, I want to be an umbrella, uh, that, that has a lot of sort of offshoots coming down. Right. So yeah. one of them, I would like, I want to start a podcast a very long form podcast where someone comes in stays in my place for a week and helps me build something and we do that would be dope isn't that sick yeah right so i'd only be able to do maybe 10 a year you know at most that would that would have to be a very small section of my my you know thing you know but that's that's an idea i had i think that could be really cool like a hot ones but like long form building shit love hot ones hot ones so sick yeah (laughs) um but like, yeah, and I figure there's long form podcasts. Let's go longer. Let's go mm-hmm. a week. Let's yeah. challenge your mind. Let's, you yeah. know, let's, let's learn something while we're talking. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think that could be pretty cool. Uh, there's another one, uh, you know, a young plague rat series that may be coming out in a few years. It, it would be my nephew, Zach, my, my brother, John's kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically I'd be in the shop with him, uh, and, be teaching him how to build stuff but he'd be in the camera he'd be talking to kids kind of saying it in yeah you know his language you know so so i would yeah that's really cool man yeah that one i see a lot of potential for yeah um, i think could be really cool you know come out with a few videos a year eight videos mm-hmm. a year of the young player right get get that going and then i also have my my website up um and right now i'm the only artist on there but i see I see Plague Rat maybe enveloping more artists as we go. I've got a cousin uh, that started building things. He actually runs my website, you know, but okay. I've got my eye on him to... What's the website? Uh, it's PlagueRatWoodwork.com. Okay. Yeah, so it's just me now, but what I'd like to do is start having different featured artists with their own stores. Yeah, kind of um, like a tattoo shop. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, exactly, right? But, but not all hardwood artists, right? Uh, I've told a few friends, like, you have something you can build and build well. Metalworking and metalwork, painting. Sydney paints really well. Oh, really? Um, so I want to start featuring her paintings up. Yeah. You know? 
and it'll start with friends and family, you know, but eventually I would see myself as like, Ooh, I, I hope Plegrad accepts my application. I'd really like to get in the Plegrad store. Right? I'd like it to be exclusive. I'd like it to be yeah. just top craftsman as I aspire to be. Right. And, yeah. and you know, um, so, and that'll tie directly in with the YouTube umbrella too, because then when I get my craftsmen under my umbrella, mm-hmm. you know, they can start their series. I'll have a film team ready to go, right? Something like that, ready to make whatever they're making, you know, and, and maybe, you know, you start intertwining them, right? Like someone who cooks well, you know, I build a cutting board, they make a feast. And at the end of the videos, we've got a, yeah, we're eating the whole video is a plug for your guys no, it'd be two different videos oh, okay right <laughs> you know but it would cross right now right. yeah, yeah. you, know, you know as i'm building the cutting board i'm saying "Ooh, yeah this will look good with this dish that this person's gonna make up let's use mahogany let's use mm-hmm. mahogany. yeah let's make some angles on this like thing. a what would you call that like woodworking sommelier kind of kind of yeah but i mean the, the sky's the limit yeah you know? and there, there may be I'm sure it'll look way different by the time we do any of it. Right. But those are some basics that I, I want to strive for and that I see a really high ceiling for. Yeah. But shop wise, yeah, definitely let's get out of the garage as soon as I can afford to. I think what I'd like to do is start a shop um, in a few places across the country, same as you, you know, but I, I would like to ideally have three or four kind of shops, mm-hmm. you know, that I have a few people running for me at each one, yeah. making my designs. Right. Uh, you know, because I'll, I'll have standardized everything by then, you know, of, of my original designs that I'm currently developing and, and have developed and sold. Mm-hmm. Those things can be built easier than I built. You know what I mean? So yeah. I can make that in my shops and, and have those across the country and have people kicking out yeah. my stuff. And then I can live wherever I want and just run whatever shop out. Oh, yeah. You know, I have one in Denver, I have one in Florida, I have one wherever. I'm sure there's different parts of the country. There's different types of wood and stuff you can. There's different availability everywhere. Yeah. So the price of lumber is largely location based. Yeah. Like I said, I can get redwood here cheap in Northern California. You know, Texas. I imagine it's probably more more pricey. Probably. Yeah. Probably they're not stocked as much. Like every Home Depot has tons of redwood here. Probably it's more specialty there. Mm -hmm. You know. So yeah, yeah, you're right though. Then we could source from, you know. That's a good idea. Yeah. Because we could source from the most efficient shops that way too. So yeah, more more but yeah, my goal would be to at that point be living in this place for eight mm-hmm. months. Oh, let's hop down to this place for the summer. Yeah. You know, let's let's go over here. This shop's kind of struggling. Let's see what's going on. Right. Let's run it for a little bit. Let's mm-hmm. get them back on track. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and that's how I would like to retire. Yeah. You know, because that's be a bunch of happy full life. Yeah, I could work yeah. till the day I die. Yeah, I, that's something that I've told people that like, I think everybody's got a timeline of when they want you to be successful. Yeah, and I, I, I don't personally like it whenever I'm like, these are my plans, and then a year later I see you and you're like, how's things going? And it looks to them like I moved this much. I hate, yeah, and I'm like, I feel like, oh. Like, I don't like talking about what I'm doing because you're not going to understand where I'm at in my process of all this, you know, Absolutely. Um, but I am the same as you. Like, I am going to do this until I die, like whether it's podcasting, whatever, whatever it is, like 
I'm going to work until I die because I find I, I look up to like Kobe Bryant and like the greats and I listen to their audio biographies and stuff like that. And they all talk about the journey. It's about the journey. It's not about the end. Right. You know, when I'm at the end, I want to be the best version of myself. Right. But during the journey, I want to enjoy the journey. And I know that some parts are going to suck, but that's part of the journey. Just how it is. I know I'm going to grow. I'm better for it. And so I'm, I'm the same way. I think with you, though, you found that thing. I feel that's what I feel like. Do you feel like you found your. I, yeah, everything I went into about, you know, the energy I get out of it and the zone that I get in proves to me every day I did the right. Uh, I'm in the right path. You know, um, it's going to be some version of this. You know, if things go tits up for me and I lose this house and the shop, guess what? I've built enough now. I have a really impressive portfolio. Any cabinet shop anywhere is going to be like, oh, yeah, get on the saw, man. I will survive now. Yeah. I will rebuild if, if anything were to happen, right? I, I'm, I'm on a good track financially with this, but I'm just saying, you know, you never know. What yeah. Happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. I don't um, know. There's another shutdown. And yeah, I don't even know. Too many fires in California. No, there's no redwood. Yeah, there's no redwood. Exactly. Or, yeah, Canada stuff shipping us maple or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, anything could happen or, or my clientele dries up. Maybe tech falls farther in the market and now I got nobody out there with money. Yeah, someone, that money's will move somewhere. Exactly. There's going to be someone. And everyone, you know, there's always space for a build. You know, there's always space for someone with, with, I mean, I've got the brain skill and the hand skill. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I have a certification as a mechanical engineer. Mm -hmm. I'm one test away from a license. Yeah. I mean, I can start stamping people's drawings. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's only up for me from here. That's something that I think a lot of people, Talking about the journey, and there's ups and downs. If you give up on yourself, or you see as something is too daunting, and you're not willing to put in the work to get there, whatever that thing is, you're gonna miss out on all of the skills that you acquire as you go through yeah, it. Yeah, man. Like all of everything that you've gone through in your life, whether it be um, the military, losing friends, uh, you know, substance abuse. Your times in college, the friends that have come and gone, the engineering school, the all of that stuff, you've acquired all these things. You're in this point now where like I see the light now. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I at least have a more clear view of myself. Yeah. Yeah. The tunnel's pretty cloudy at the moment, to be honest. You know, I you know, um but I, I what I try to do is I try to put my life on a on a timeline. Okay. Right. And I'll, I'll, you know, mentally just put events and it's good to write it out too. I just never do. But Mm -hmm. then I start to think where I was sort of emotionally or, you know, Mm -hmm. at each time, right. And where my line went. Right. Right. And then I I go all the way to where I am now. Right. And if it's low, then I look just a little bit back and I say, well, yeah, this, this, and this just happened. Mm -hmm. Of course you're feeling low. Right. And then I look a little bit ahead on my line. Right. And I have, Oh, this is about to happen. So you might feel even lower then, right? Or this is about to happen, man. Make it good, right? You, you get yourself back up and that's going to cover for this or, or fix whatever yeah. went wrong back here. And then I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. The, but back to the journey. The journey is so important, right? The, the journey of, of, you know, just screwing up. 
right? And 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 like learning all those lessons, you know, to 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 throw it into a micro level and bring it into the shop again, you know, you learn more from the failed builds, yeah, right? And and man, I'm on some big jobs now for mm-hmm. some pretty impressive people, and and I don't want those builds to fail, right? Right? And so I know where I failed on something like it in the past. And I'm taking every precaution now, or I know where to check, you know, after I've done something mm-hmm. for a mistake that now I know I need to fix, right? Like, there, you know, it, all the mess ups that have happened in this shop, all the cursing and kicking shit, <laughs> it's all for it, you yeah. know, and, and it's making me more money now and it's making me more confident to take jobs worth more money. Right. And sometimes I take them and I'm like, well, shouldn't I take this job? <laughs> you know, I'm building a six foot by 10 foot dining table on the third floor of a person's house right now and that the tabletop itself is 400 pounds oh my gosh i've never built anything that big before yeah guess what it's pretty (laughs) oh yeah and it's and it's solid and i'm doing it right because i've built other things that had the same principles that i did mess up right you know and i know on big boards it's gonna the mess ups will be magnified so yeah i'm going in hard on yeah it's 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 all that it's still the journey too you know once i build this table i'm not going to be a master table builder i've built what like three tables mm-hmm. you know so yeah. they've been awesome you know but fuck i've only built three yeah so you know you're your biggest critic always and yeah. it sounds like you are too yeah yeah, yeah. you know like you said you, you don't like to t- kind of talk about where you're at like that's where i'm at too i've mm-hmm. got a house that is just mid repairs looks like a hunk of junk you know and has for a few months because I, I just haven't had time. But that's the reality is I haven't had time when I do have time at future point in my timeline. Yeah. Boom. Progress sometimes happens all at once. Yeah. You know, a lot of times for me, actually, it's like a burst. We live in this kind of flex culture also where everybody ties what you look like to who you are as a person or whatever. Yeah. And I think you're in in a, a good place because like this small garage keeps you humble and it keeps you focused. You know, like if you had a big giant house with an awesome workshop and all this stuff, that struggle of where, what it took to get you to this point is not there in your, in your work. Right. You know? Right. No. Yes. And I can, I can provide examples of that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I mean, every, every table I've got's on, on wheels, right. I'm constantly shifting around, you know, moving this table saw to the middle so I can get longer boards through it and right. everything is moving around. I have this roller stand I have to set up because I don't have enough table space for the wood to rest and mm-hmm. I don't want to get a wobbly cut. You know, when I'm in a huge shop, I'll have a table saw built into a huge table that supports everything I put on it. Yeah. It's going to be so easy. But if I had that now, I would never know why I, you know, yeah. like why I appreciated it so much. Yeah. Right? You know, never having to set up a roller stand is going to be great. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't have to now, I wouldn't know why it's great. Yeah. You know, I'd just be like, ah, oh, shit, I'm not doing this. You got to set up a roller stand, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah, the, I agree. Yeah. Completely. I, I always love watching, I like watching surf videos and stuff like that. I, I don't remember what it was called, but it was like a documentary on this dude that's like a world-renowned surfboard maker. Cool. And uh, he lives, he's like in a shop. I like yours. Cool. It's just his beach shack and yeah. he does his thing and that's what he does. And he makes like tons of surfboards and stuff, but he doesn't have all the distraction. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have this like giant mortgage that he's got to worry about 
making. He's just got his thing. He loves what he does, and he just makes badass surfboards. And I guarantee you there's two places he's in his zone, in his shop and out on the water. Yeah. You know, yeah. both of those things. Surfing, I, I'm not a good surfer. I'm a very good snowboarder. Snowboarding? Oh, yeah. Well, but that's the thing you get in your zone. Yeah. Right? It's Surfing peaceful. too, yeah. Just that Dude. noise when you're going through the snow. Oh, and I, I bomb. Like I try to go really, really fast. Uh-huh. You know, like I can, I can hit jumps. You know, I can do some minor tricks, but yeah, my thing is I want to, I want to go fast. You yeah. know, so I like the really long runs and you know Tahoe or yeah. wherever that have a lot of black diamonds and oh, sometimes I don't know if I'm going to live if I would crash. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I mean, just leaned all the way yeah. forward. Just I think there's a there's a thing to that because I like doing that too. I like yeah. the. Pushing that just a little bit. Get a little scared. Get a little, get well, a little scared. Leave yeah. that edible and do that. And <laughs> your legs are a little gummy. Yeah. You might die if you crash. You know? It's hit or miss whether I, you know, like drink a little bit before sure. I go. Sometimes it's hit or miss. Sometimes I'm like, all right, I feel pretty good. Other times I'm like, that was, I shouldn't have done that. If it sits well in your stomach, yeah. if you give yourself enough time before you start bouncing mm-hmm. around, then in my experience when I was yeah. drinking, that was fun. Because then you're buzzing <laughs> a little, you're yeah. just kind of going. I learned how to snowboard up at uh, Whitefish in Montana. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I bet that's There's pretty. a ton of snow up there. It's crazy. It's a little disorienting when you're at the top because the snow is so high, you don't see any trees. Wow. So it's like, am I moving? Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, man. I haven't been in powder like that. It's so, it's so, you fall, you don't even know. Like, if you just fall, you're like, tumble. Oh. <laughs> I learned how to board, you know, when I was like nine. No, maybe older, maybe like 12 or 13, but because I knew how to ski. Yeah. And my parents took us up a few times when we were kids and then we picked it up pretty quick. But uh, do you remember Ryan Anderson? Another name. Yeah, he, was, face. he was in my, in my grade, but um, me and him went up and we were like, we're going to try snowboarding. And I remember just all day just mm-hmm. catching the back edge and it was icy snow. Yeah. Right. And so every time I'm just hitting the back of my head, dude, I, I'm pretty sure I can confess myself that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Then when I started snowboarding, um, Mount Charleston, right by Vegas, it's not a very big mountain or whatever. Um, it's actually way too expensive for what it is. Mm-hmm. But I was working at Battlefield Vegas, that, that gun range. Yep. And, uh, it's all like, it was like veteran owned, operated. Right. So all of us were vets. And we were just like, Trying to figure out things to do, and we're like, let's go snowboarding. So we ran some, ran some snowboards, and we we went up there and we took a trip up to Brian Head, and we just kind of had like our little group that would go snowboarding and stuff. I ended up buying a board because I was tired of running. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got a cool uh, Burton board. It's the I forgot what it's called, but the B is uh, thirteen, uh, and then yeah. there's the like "Don't Tread on Me" snake on the front. Oh, it's pretty dope. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I bought my board that I still ride with employment money back in Oakland. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. The bindings are a little, little wobbly, but I still shred on it, dude. Yeah, I need a new board. Actually, actually, one of the bindings broke last last season, so I, I do need to pay it some attention. Yeah. But I rode that thing hard. It's a Rome. It's a Rome okay. board. I put Burton bindings on. I had all the deployment cash. Right. Yeah. Know, so I was ready to ready to buy a good board. It lasted a long time. Now the boots are kind of leaky and you know, you want to, want to keep you. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some bucket list, bucket list places that I want to go ride at some point. I want to oh, yeah. go over to like 
like Scandinavia, Sweden, Ooh, Finland, somewhere over there. That'd be fun. Tokyo, man. I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I we're just, uh Yeah, we should wrap it up, huh? Yeah, we're at two hours and fifteen minutes. Oh yeah. That's a good That was good great. Pod, that was an awesome Shit. awesome conversation, man. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Glad you came. We in. could probably go on and on and on I'm about sure so many different yeah. things. Yeah, I'll uh in my travels, I mean, I'm sure I'll come back to California, especially with her family is so close. When we visit, I'll hit you up and we can do it, do it again. Yeah. And when we line up the uh, iPod, we'll... Yeah. Maybe you show me how to make something. You're way more like mechanically inclined than I am. I don't know how to do any of this. That's fun. Yeah. I would yeah. love to do that. You guys could come spend a week and we'll, yeah. you'll be one of the first when we get that set up. That'd yeah. Cool. That would be so yeah. dope. Well, thanks again, AJ. Awesome, man. It was, it was a pleasure awesome. having you on. Uh, where can people follow you? Oh, yes. Uh, com is the website. And then we're at Plagrat underscore Woodwork on Instagram. Yeah. Plagrat Woodwork on Facebook. I'm Andrew Schooler, um, Drew underscore Shoe on Instagram. But the business one's more exciting. I don't really post. Okay. So, yeah. yeah cool. Um, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for, for all the, the support. I haven't been doing it very long, but we're moving up in the in the world on listeners. We got almost 200 listeners on all my podcasts. I hope I get a lot on this one. This thing isn't growing unless you share it. So please share it. Um, that's how social media works. You got you to gotta do things. I'm guilty of not sharing things that I look at. But if you want to support small businesses like, like Andrew's here, then uh, share this podcast. And if you want some some stuff done, some woodworking done, hit him up. Not IKEA furniture. Yeah, I'm not gonna put your dresser together. We'll build one. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks again. Hey, thanks.